Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Welcome listeners and maybe viewers, if you're watching this on YouTube, to another Arcade Attack podcast. I'm Dylan, I'll be your host for the evening, and as you can see, it's clearly the evening. Um, I'm here with Adrian. I'm always here, mate, part of the furniture. (laughs) I don't know where you are on the video thing, he's over there somewhere. Somewhere. He's over there. And we've got Rob. Hello, hello, it's good to be back. Nice. And we've got Keith. Hello. I made it. You're it okay, was touch mate. and go, wasn't it, Keith? But you made it. It was, yeah. I'm Your tummy's all right, isn't it, mate? Your tummy's all right. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Enough. Hey, you did it to me. You did it oh, to yeah, me. Oh, yeah, I had to. Stuff, fair, so, you know. fair's fair. Revenge, revenge. <laughs> there we go. But it was me who started it, really. Anyway, so, um, so today, this is where we're sort of approaching our 200th episode. What is this? 198? 199, Adrian? What is this Crazy. now? This... It's going to be, yeah, I think 199 possibly. Madness, really. It's, just, it's, it's pretty mad. So it's about time we spoke about, shall we say, our favourite video game company. We, we talk about the Atari Jaguar too much, mate. Come on. We love Atari and Atari Jaguars. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. No, we're not. No, we're not. S for subliminary. E for... <laughs> E for effervescent, G <laughs> for great, A for adolescent. I don't know. This is, I don't know why I'm going with to be, Sega. To be as good, right. that good takes ages, didn't it, mate? You're so good at it. Sega. Nice. nice. See, I prepared that as well. I prepared that little. Uh, can I just, if people are watching, I'm actually wearing a Sonic t-shirt. So, Dylan, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I think Keith's got tails in the background. I've got Sonic and tails. I've even got Shadow. <laughs> oh, my God. You I know. Me. I know. They're not mine. They're my sons. But still... <laughs> I did my bit. Dylan, and Rob's neutral, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But Dylan, mate, you're the, you're the, you're the enemy. YouTube guys can see I'm wearing a Super Nintendo t-shirt. Sorry. <laughs> it's a very nice t-shirt. It literally, I didn't really plan today. This is just the t-shirt I was wearing today. So, sorry. Sorry. But you anyway, always wear gaming t-shirts. Dude, I'm, that's just all I have in my wardrobe now. You know, this is it. The, the work, you don't need work clothes anymore, do you? No, it's true. true. Any work clothes no, it's, I'm all banned t-shirts these days, I think. Just nice. Nice. Rob's even got his leather jacket on. Rob's fucking dapper. Because Rob's a rock star. The rest of us are just in our pajamas. I am actually wearing (laughs) pajama bottoms. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not even going to try and cover that up. At least you're close. But luckily, the camera is covering it up for you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's go to a good start. Anyway, so let's talk about Sega, guys. This is going to be a Sega fest. But I think Adrian's got. um, Got a nice review to share with us first, hasn't he? He's got it's almost a... like a new a new feature, isn't it? Before we start our podcast, it's about patting ourselves on the back because we don't it's... get many of those. Let's be honest, so. <laughs> we don't get. But when we do, I make a big deal out of it. Okay, <laughs> and uh, it's another five star review. So I think it's a, we have to. We you know anything yeah. below five stars, we never talk about, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> I'm but this is a five star, and it starts with an awesome podcast. So that's a brilliant start. And should I read it out? You ready, guys? You're on the edge of your seats. Yeah, go on, mate. It says, love this podcast because you get to feel like you're put down the ladder for you and, and let you into their clubhouse. <laughs> we do have a cool clubhouse, don't we? Um, 
They clearly love games and I enjoy their banter. At least someone does. <laughs> <laughs> I think their interviews are great. Minus just one. So we like the five stars, but like the like previous um, re- reviews, like the there's one. a slight... Well, <laughs> well, he says minus just one. So I'm like, Ooh, oh, when I, when I read that, I was like, oh my God, I'm scared. Who... What guest? <laughs> it says here, this guy with my same name <laughs> keeps coming up on the pot on their podcast. And man, did he just go on and on in his interview? <laughs> Was that you, Trip Hawkins, mate? <laughs> Trip, come on, mate. Hey, yeah, that's guy. a real common name, Trip Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had lots of trips. What was the name it? of the reviewer? What was the name of the reviewer? The reviewer is Tempest Fugitive. So oh, that doesn't, doesn't give too much away, unfortunately. But he, that he, sounds he, familiar. It does sound a bit familiar. He goes on, he says, Hey, guy with the same name, people have a life to live. If I ever figure out who, how to get in contact with this guy, I'm going to tell him off and say, Stop making it. So they say our same name on the podcast from time to time. But, <laughs> He's being honest. And he says, beyond that, it's a must listen for me. And I suggest if you love gaming, you give it a try. So that was a, a really recent uh, review. We really appreciate it. And it's actually, if you do a little bit of investigation work, it, we've, I found out who it was. It was uh, Michael Latham. Oh, the legendary uh, producer himself, there, the old, the, the ex, uh, well, as he's done a lot of jobs for Sage, hasn't he, Michael? Well, it's good that he's listening to the show. I think it'd be better, though. If we actually invited him for a chat, what do you reckon? Well, it's a bit late notice, I reckon, but I could try and call him maybe on Skype. What do you reckon? See if he's Let's available. Go. Let's go. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. ring, ring. ring. Michael, that... you're there, mate. I, I, I was dying at the Sega when you were trying to come up with what Sega meant, <laughs> which is killing me. I, almost, I, 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 I have these new headphones, and I'm like, how to mute, how to mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not oh, sorry. professional. Sorry, sorry. Oh, Michael. man. Michael Latham, welcome to the podcast. How oh, are you doing, sir? How it's so you? great to be on with all of you, finally. Yeah. So it's, so a it's a blast. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're a huge part. To, you know, I look forward to always when you guys uh, do an episode. So I'm like, yes, you know. And I have to admit, I, I will listen in to see if I come up on an occasional mention. It's not mandatory in any way. But it makes me laugh when I just accidentally show up in the show. And then <laughs> you always go, well, he's not listening. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> every that was time. Good. And I'm like, every time I write you back on social media, I'm like, yes, I'm listening. I Rob. listen to every show. Even even the Atari ones, uh, you know, even the Atari ones. I mean, <laughs> it's it's I don't listen to those ones. The Jaguar ones, yeah. It's because of reasons like this that I'm not on social media, so I never get to find this out. I think it was the, the 32X episode. I think I, I got a few quotes from you, I think, Michael, about the 32X and games you're working on. I, I chipped it in. And um, Rob was like, yeah, whatever. Michael's not even listening. Then, oh, man, that was the funniest thing. You're like, yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah, no. Rob, Rob, Rob is always the one that, like, summons me. Yeah. <laughs> always, yeah. yep, not listening. Yep, yeah, he's definitely not listening. There he is. There he is. There he yeah, is. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, so, it's so great because you get a lot of guests that – I may not know their complete background. Um, I know their time at Sega, or I know maybe them just as a person that I got to see once a year at E3 or CES and sit across at a table, and you'd be talking about what you'd be working on, but you had no clue kind of what they did in their life. And then it's just kind of funny listening to you guys because 
you know, um, I'm older, you know, obviously. <laughs> um, and so um, we don't um, we don't have the same sort of meetups like this anymore to talk about gaming. Yeah. Um, you know, um, uh, quite a few of the guys from like Eric Wahlberg to Bill Person, um, a bunch of them are still in the business, mm. but a lot of times they can't talk about what they're working on. Um, so there's a certain veil of secrecy, you know. Um, and so it's kind of fun. So it's like I get to go back to exactly what we would be. This talk that you guys are having is the same exact Love talk. It. We would be having about 10 o'clock at night at Sega. Yeah. Maybe the monolith would be opened. Um, nice. And yeah. uh, everybody, everybody would sit around and talk about whatever they were playing, um, you know, just what the other companies were doing. You know, there was always a lot of interest. What's what's EA up to? Mm -hmm. What's this company up to? Um, you know, um, you know, uh, rumors about what's coming from SOJ that you know, you know, or licenses. Um, you know, whatever crazy license got pitched. So, so it's kind of fun because I'm like back in the day again when I listen to you guys. It's the same exact talk we'd be having, you know, including the Jaguars and the old the systems. And everybody be fighting over, you know, whether the Atari or the Intellivision was the right thing to own when you when we were kids. <laughs> you know, so it's cool. It's it's exactly what my life would look like. We would have, you know, like when when you were like hanging out, just having drinks and stuff after work at Sega. We would, have, you know, we'd love to go back in time and yeah. just yeah. be a fly in the wall in the, you know, for some of those chats, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. And yeah, we'd be we'd be out on the balcony. We had a balcony, and that was where Joe Miller's second office was. Um, he'd go out there and smoke, and and if you needed to talk to Joe, it was the better place than to go into his office, which is always open door. But it, it was just more relaxed out there, and uh, everybody would just kind of drift in and out, and there was always an ongoing social chat because we worked so hard and so long, um, you know, uh, that that was your second family. You know, mm -hmm. you were around these guys, especially in, like, tough shipping windows. Mm -hmm. We were there for days and then. Um, so, you know, you'd eat together, you you know, and, mm. and, 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 you know, and we'd go through phases. Like we were there when, um, South Park first showed up Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and it was on just a VHS tape, the original yeah. one that George yeah. Clooney and, and somehow one of the guys <laughs> got, got hold of it. And we went into Joe Miller's office and had a screening. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So, nice. so we were, you know, all. Uh, so when I hear you guys, and plus I spent a lot of time, you know, obviously in England. Um, yeah. You know, so for me, it also is bonding because culturally, I understand a lot of references you make, whether it's around football or anything like that. Nice. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe a lot of our American though, listeners yeah, don't. Adrian's <laughs> trying. To, yeah, Adrian's trying to move me to Arsenal. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm Chelsea, but not happy with Chelsea. So I'm, I'm looking. You know, I, I, I was, I cheered for Crystal Palace. Yeah, which is, yeah. It's like local team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, team. yeah. Phil, Phil Harvey, who you know was one, the guy who did Net Fighter, and I did Asteroids with him. He was a supporter, so he got me hooked. Nice. But my dad, but but I'm all about Holland and uh, yeah. and obviously the U.S. Uh, female soccer team. Our national team is the world's mm. best. They just beat, um, you know, Holland. Do nothing mm -hmm. after not playing since March. 
That's incredible. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was real happy about that. So, so culturally, I, I, there's a part of me that's, you know, very Dutch and English, um, you know, Latham's uh, English name. Nice. So, you know, so for me, it, it brings me home. So anyway, that's my love for the, the podcast and why, why I listen, you know, even when it's a, something I may not know about or have some direct thoughts about. I'm like, oh, I'm still going to listen because I want to hear the guys go in. <laughs> Bless you. No, it's very surreal having, you know, obviously someone as senior and Sega as you listening yeah. to the podcast and, and actually liking it. So thank you for obviously your you continue to I, I, I think you'd be shocked. I just I'm vocal about it only because I thought it was funny when you that faint, the 32x thing. You know, oh, yeah. I, I couldn't help but kind of step in a little. So um, yeah. that you know, normally I I don't do audio interviews at all. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I'm just not into it. I you know, uh, I think most people don't like the sound of their voice, but I'm very bad that Same. way. And um. It, and, and there's like a great story uh, at Sega. I was at a, uh, was that CS still? I think it was CS still uh, before it became E3. And there's a bunch of reviewers and they're all saying, do you know what Michael Latham looks like? And I'm in the elevator with them standing behind. <laughs> and, and, and they're all like, going on. And, and luckily they all said nice things because I always had a great relationship. I was one of the key contacts for breast people. So, but I'd only do audio. And they, if they asked for a picture, they'd get like a EC character or whatever. So, <laughs> uh, I refused to do that. And so I uh, stepped. Sounds I, like Rob. Uh, That's what Rob, Rob <laughs> does. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Rob. Uh, so yeah. anyway, I stepped off the elevator and there still had to go, I think, down a couple of floors or up a couple of floors. And I spun around and when the door was like one inch, I said, it's me, guys. And of course, they knew my voice. <laughs> and they go, what did he look like? What did he look like? Because none of them were paying attention when I walked out of the elevator. So, um, yeah, so. I I got calls from the next time I did uh, reviews with them. They were so mad that I didn't identify myself. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, but social media, unfortunately, at some point, you know, pictures appeared to me. And then, um, you know, now with this documentary that came out of nowhere, my pictures, he pretty much rated all my pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like a five. Was it a five-hour documentary? I haven't, seen, I haven't seen much of it, Mike. I'll be honest, but blimey, that's a big commitment, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, it was utterly shocking. I just yeah. I get contacted. He got access to my Facebook from a, a friend that I did an interview up for Joe Miller mm. um, and myself. I get, that was the only other time I did an audio interview, and that was quite a few years ago now. Mm. And um, I did an audio interview, and then he did a dedication to Joe Miller at um, a Spain um, retro um, get-together. And so I granted him the interview, and uh, he's a good guy, and we've remained friends. And he let this guy in named Oscar, and he got full access to really most of my life because wow. now we had access to all my social media. And then... I guess during the, the pandemic, he just wanted a project, and all of a sudden, a five-hour documentary shows up on me, and uh, <laughs> it is the most surreal thing. I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm in a bad spot because I can't say I like the production values blow my mind. So mm. I'll just say that I, I don't want to say, "Oh, it's so good," because <laughs> yeah. it sounds so horrible to say it's so good. But, <laughs> But I can tell you it was the most surreal experience of my life because it's like someone did it. Uh, there used to be a game show called It's Your Life 
where they would yeah. like bring on people and do this thing. And yeah, we that's what it, similar. that's what it was like. And the guy never talked to me once. So he sourced ah, all this material and he got it like 95% right. Mm-hmm. That's mad without even talking to you. Like. Without even talking to me. I mean, I don't know how we got access to some of the information. Wow. Not Maxina, anyway, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, or maybe the 5%. Well, uh, let's, let's, let's bring that in because, Michael, as you know, a few weeks ago we had um, another Sega producer on the show, Maxina. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a two hour interview, no holds barred. He, he gave some good stories and it, wasn't, it was a privilege to have him on the show, but he did mention that you and uh, Mac didn't always get along. I think he compared your relationship oil and water. So, and it, you know, I, I didn't like hearing that too much because obviously we get along. I consider you a friend, but obviously everyone's allowed their opinion, everyone's allowed their view. You've listened to the interview. Um, Mac had a few things to say about you, and I think, you know, I'm not, we're not trying to cause an argument or anything, but I think it's only fair to give you a chance to respond to some of the comments that Mac made. Yeah, um, I, I'm not going to really, you know, respond. Um, I did. I, I did have the fun of he immediately after finishing your show two hours later, went to a common friend of ours and said, "Oh, you know, I'm so pleased. Two people are going to be very unhappy um, at this interview I did." So I reopened because uh, he's blocked on social media. I reopened uh, the channel and sent him a smiley and said, "You know, I'm friends with them." Um, <laughs> and then shut the social media down. So, um, uh, so I'm sure he's been twisting a little about that, that I would respond and I'm not really going to, yeah. I think, I think to say oil and water, that's fair enough. I mean, uh, I, I would say I, I, I would disagree with him about this, uh, so-called, um, HR lack of professionalism, but I'm not, I can't even recall the event to be fair. So it could have occurred. It could have not occurred. It it doesn't sound like something I remember, but it's very hard to remember everything. Mm. Um, what what I will say is there was a couple characterizations about um, other people, um, uh, and that was disappointing. One of them is no longer here, even to defend themselves, and left behind a family. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that's a fair consideration. And the other person he spoke about, not fair consideration at all. Not true. Um, that person did a lot, uh, uh, brought a lot of value. And I, I'm going to avoid speaking to it because I don't want this to become a negative podcast. No, I think we, we I think try it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a positive space. And I think, you know, he's going to own a lot of things that go beyond about how he said his role uh, in certain famous games were. Um, he can own that, you know, that's up to him. He's, he's his big boy. I'm a big boy to take the criticism. Mm. I take that fairly. I, anytime you, you, you are in management, um, you know, um, in the future, you'll have Eric Wahlberg on. Mm. Um, there was a time, you know, for Eric and I, um, I think Eric felt that maybe I didn't give him enough value and I let, gave him the space to decide on, you know, what he wanted to do with that. And we were able to, you know, come back together and be super close friends. That happens. I mean, Tony Van and I, we worked together so many times and, you know, I was the best man at his wedding. Mm -hmm. And so we had to talk things out sometimes because, you know, there was times I was managing him, you know, here I'm managing my best friend and you, you know, where do you draw the line on that stuff? So, um, you know, Mac was not uh, a friend. 
Um, he yeah. was a co he was a coworker, and I, I you know like I said I'm gonna let him own everything that he said. Yeah. And um, you know I just wish the person that is no longer here could speak to mm -hmm. uh, and, and and really clear that up. Yeah. But um, other maybe future guests will. And if I feel like in, in some future, like I hear the family's upset about it, mm. then I'll come in and, and I'll talk more about it. But I, I just, you know, I, I, I think uh, Mac did some interesting stuff in his career. I'll leave it at that. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's how yeah. I like to put it. You know, I, I, I'm going to leave it positive for him. And uh, anytime you do an interview, it's always there. And uh, you kind of have to own it. You have to be, you know, careful about how you characterize things. And, yeah. and if that's how we wanted to do it, then I yeah. respect how we did it. That's it. And I and respect you. Else, yeah. If anyone else yeah. wants and to I, respond, if anyone else yeah. from Sega wants to come and be on the show, then that's yeah. up to them. And, we'll I, have I, them I, and I think people let it lie because, like I said, I, I think you guys are a positive space. And, and anytime mm. I'm on here, I want to stay in the positive mm. Um and uh, cool. and and that includes responding to that interview, and and I think it's and I thought it was totally cool of you guys to give him space because um, you know uh, not there are a lot as he, I will say one thing he said that was fair is that um, I'm sure there are a lot of people and a lot of stories that have yet to be told, um, so it was good to have a a different voice out there mm -hmm. that maybe did have as many uh, opportunities to tell his stories. Mm. Fair enough. Thank yeah. you, Michael. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. We want to be positive. That's apart from we dis, when they all That's when it gets a bit negative. Yeah, oh, yeah, Zool. No, I, oh, I mean, yeah, it was, no. like I said, it was it was a little awkward to know that you know um, that we're friends and that he you know I, I I could tell Adrian was uncomfortable and and I thought don't be uncomfortable. It's cool. I'm big boy. You know, um, yeah. it was more around the some other people that it was a little disappointing, but that's that's how it goes. Thank we'll you. leave it. Yeah, we'll leave it there. But thank you for obviously your response to that. Yeah, uh, and I enjoy, and I enjoyed it. I mean, Adrian always does a good job. Oh yeah, Adrian's are Who's, like this Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you? I you felt did. Like you enjoyed. I, mean, it. Yeah. I, I I felt like you directed. As you have in other interviews that I've enjoyed, you really gave them the space to, you know, tell long developed stories, um, kind of, you. you know, I thought it just flowed well. I didn't have a problem listening to it considering its length. I, you know, I, I, I was engaged the whole time. Thank you. And then I interviewed Adrian. So Adrian's the best person I've interviewed. Oh, I, I, oh <laughs> by the way, I love that interview. Oh, don't tell Tom Kalinsky. <laughs> yeah but yeah no i i really did love that interview that was that was probably that that's my favorite on the site oh. aside from when adrian does the reviews with his kid that's oh yeah <laughs> the titan adrian so yeah, yeah. takes a little superstar anyway nice yeah. nice but yeah. yeah those 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 are my faves when those roll in but yeah no the uh i i really enjoyed you flipping the tables on and I look forward. I want to see him do it to you. So I look forward. Uh, yeah. I don't think I got yeah. much to say. I'm going to pick on Keith and Rob as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well. Oh man. I'm going to get popcorn for Robs. Well, these. Yeah. We'll get these guys. Uh, we'll get these guys at some point. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Rob Rob and I are the kindred spirits, so I'm going to look forward to seeing him be put oh, on the right. spot. Oh yeah, we'll get we'll get Rob on the grill. We'll get him on the grill. <laughs> yeah. we'll crack up the anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, actually, there was something I wanted to ask since we're doing the whole like kind of Sega roundtable mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Uh, 
can we start that off? Can I ask a question? <laughs> oh, yeah. Off. I mean, I was going like, to kick it off with like, with like a light-hearted one, but what are you going to go... Are you going to go... Well, you're the host. You decide. All right, then. I'll start. I'll start. And then maybe save yours for for a little bit later. But how I wanted to introduce this was, you know, Sega, you know, very important, very important company for us. But I suppose I wanted to go around the table as such, our metaphorical table, um, and just see why it's important. You know, why why is this company so important for us? So I'll I'll kick off. So with Sega, um, they were the first real gaming company that i knew so even okay like in the adverts and everything in 1990 when i was you know starting to get into video games there was only one console you know i wanted that christmas and that you know that that was the master system and then they just sort of went from there and then you know then uh, I, I discovered i had more games built in on it and then sonic came Sonic on the Master System came, you know. Don't mention my, Ghostbusters. Still, I did, you know, I still got, you know, a special place in my heart for Ghostbusters and Adrian buying off me for two quid. I did, fair play, <laughs> I did actually sell it to you for two pounds. But he gave it back. He gave I it did. back. So, you know, that's, fair. That's, fair. That's, the, that's the kind of guy Adrian is. So, you know, and then it was when, you know, Sonic on the Master System was when I knew that video gaming was for me and I knew I'd still be talking about it years later, 30 years later. So, yeah, here we are. So Sega, very important for me. You know, it it gave me my base. Um, It gave me all, you know, magazines. I mostly bought Sega magazines. So if I wasn't playing Sega games, I was reading about Sega games and Sega News and, you know, all the affiliated companies and, you know, the third-party developers that that used to work with Sega. So that, for me, is why it's important. Um, You know, we'll talk about its demise so to speak i know they're still around today but we'll talk about its demise a little bit later but that's what's coming for me and i suppose adrian is next here um again i've already told these stories do I tell, no, come on you know do i tell the cat sitting story again or do i tell the story about buying the mega drive for me sega was just cool um i i'm a nintendo fan now truthfully i've got you know n64 was to kind of start for me for the nintendo love but before before that it was all about sega it was like it was too cool um i remember going they, I, I think i can't remember what magazine it was there's always pictures of mario having his head chopped off and stuff like that it was the sega magazine i was like yeah these guys are cool you know they're much cooler than mario sonic's a badass um and I, you know, just the look and feel of the console it just it, it, it just seemed like that a little bit more edgy a little bit more raw um and it, i think when going even going to toys r us i remember seeing uh, super mario world and altered beast and like uh, you know, Super Mario World looked brilliant on the SNES, but Altered Beast, even though it's not a particularly great game, it was like, yeah, fighting, tougher, manly. And I was you know, a little boy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, so Sega was brilliant, man. Um, you know, I'd, I'd spend time drawing Sonic. I'd never draw Mario, for example. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, yeah. And, and I think just having that, I, I remember getting a Master System quite young after, after our, our, our Spectrum, and that was always downstairs. And, and like you did, mate, some of the games in the Master System Oh, absolutely incredible! Mm. You know, I remember playing um, Rampart a lot with my brothers, and you know the old Sonics and whatnot. And mm. yeah, I never had too much exposure to the NES and even the Super NES too much. So for me, it's always been Sega. Uh, and obviously, later on, they sponsored Arsenal, so that was another thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, Adrian. So we're going, Rob. Uh, yeah, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but um, obviously, being South Africa. We, my kind of, I grew up playing arcade games, but also had like a Famicom at home. We didn't call it a Famicom. It was just like a game system. 
because you know because of the uh the whole kind of cultural like uh blockade we couldn't really get the official versions in there so we would get like a imported famicoms and like everyone had the same one but no one co- there was no nintendo branding for it if that makes sense mm-hmm. um so we kind of had that and we had kind of arcade games obviously a massive gulf between the like the home systems and the arcade and I think I've told the story before. I was about nine, I think, nine or ten, when, like, I think that had lifted and Sega had their, like, big kind of presentation with, uh, they filmed this whole segment, like, a big local shopping center with, like, KTV, the big, like, kind of kids' TV channel there, to, like, a whole kind of filming thing. And they had, like, all these kind of screens set up. And that was when, where I kind of played Sonic the Hedgehog for the first time. I just thought, man, this is mm. really cool. And then I think kind of moving over to England in 93, like, I think a few months after they had a birthday, like, got a Mega Drive, Sonic 2, and Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition, and oh. man, I was absolutely sold. <laughs> like, you guys, I bought the magazines as well, was really kind of into, I think, like, all that kind of thing. It was just fun reading about it, and kind of being able to kind of get visions of games before they came out, and kind of getting the reviews, and just thinking, oh, I really want that one, and I think, you know, I do have to, do have to agree with Adrian to some extent. I think there was kind of Sega did feel a lot cooler. I think, you know, I've talked about this before. You kind of open up the booklet of Ill Communication by the Beastie Boys. Like, yeah, mm. the Sabotage. Yeah, it's got, and like, Mega Drive on, and stuff in it, isn't it? They've got a Mega Drive stuff in there. Mm. You watch Swingers. They're playing, I think, mm. EA Hockey on the Mega Drive there. Mm. Just, I think there's something about it. Just some of those games we've talked about here, like Robocop vs. Terminator, Star Heroes, just the Mortal Kombat with the Blood, just felt a bit edgier and cooler than, than the uh, Nintendo. Plus, Rob, can I chip in there? I, 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 I said to my, um, oh god, it's kind of, I shouldn't say this really, but well, <laughs> we we had a guest, didn't we? Kind of lined up for our two hundred. That kind of fell through, right? Is that fair? Yeah. Should we, should we name him? Should we name him? Name and shame. shame. Right. Yeah. So I thought, Becca, there's a chance we're going to get quite a big guest on for our two hundred episode. <laughs> and she was like, "Oh, who's this then?" She doesn't know. No offense, Michael. I say these names. I never heard of this guy. Whatever. Yeah. And I said, "There's a chance." <laughs> could get freddie prince jr on the show and he <laughs> apparently his manager was like oh this could happen this would be great we can talk about wing commander i know he's a big gamer right now he's doing this stuff and i was like becca we must watch she's all that for pre- you know for research methods <laughs> so i bought the dvd and in the film she's all that he does actually say freddie prince jr or oh, oh, oh no is it is it uh mccauley colkin's brother i think he says to him here at colkin Hey Freddie, wherever his name is in this year, I can't remember now. Do you want to play Sega with me? And then, then Freddie was like, "Yeah, I play Sega." So that just shows you if it's cool <laughs> in She's All That world, it's cool in my world. Yeah. Why do you always have to bring up She's All That <laughs> every time? <laughs> every time. Oh, Freddie, you, you, you know, you know, Freddie Prince. He he competes uh, on Star Wars trivia on the Schmodown. Oh, so he okay. he's a massive Star Wars fan. Yeah, and he he I I think he actually at one point may have held a championship for a little while. Wow! wow. Yeah, so if you look up Schmodown, mm-hmm. you, you can see him. Um, there's another actor who's not coming to me who's actually does Star Wars stuff, and um, uh, they they are two actors that compete. So yeah, you could have hit him up on that because oh, he he's too busy with Schmodowns, Michael. Yeah. Yes. Well, coach, I, but... I I haven't I haven't seen him do it actually in quite a long time, but yeah, no, I I, I but anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. He's a massive Star Wars, like he knows everything. It's crazy. 
Nice. I, you never know. I, I, we're not trying to badmouth him because you never know. It, the, it might yeah. happen in the future. And yeah, I, if, I like, you know. if you somehow land him in the future, besides setting him up on the movie, um, you can actually ask him about if you guys, nah. uh, any of you, love Star Wars. Not me. Um, My, but, Michael, uh, mate. It's yeah. all about she's all that for me. It's just going to be two hours of she's all that. <laughs> well, I, I've heard. I've heard the reason he won't come on is because we'd we'd make him do the monologue, the hacky. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah, maybe yeah. you might have listened to the episode where we were talking about that and decided against Ooh, it. Could you imagine? Not you imagine if he's actually listened to us as well. <laughs> no, because Michael, you're saying Star Wars. You're not a fan, and you actually mentioned an interview you didn't particularly get on with George Lucas. Is that is that fair? I don't want to rehash the story, but yeah, it, yeah. It, it. I mean it. The as a kid, I was always more of a Star Trek guy for whatever reason. Uh, I just leaned towards that. I think that seeing it on TV and somehow the movie just I I I I didn't catch on to it as much. But I stayed engaged, obviously, to the first three movies, and you know I I, I understood the Indiana um, the Indy uh, property well, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, but I had been kind of forewarned about George Lucas to a degree from friends that worked at Lucas Arts, so I was kind of prepared, but still not as much prepared for the level of kind of negative interaction that was. But you know, it was uh, uh, around a property, Young Indy, which you know he had a view was educational, and we were trying to make a game out of it. And I think right there, you're starting at a, not a common place so in fairness to him you know i think he he whoever when he sold the rights i don't think he understood what he was buying but still it's weird to meet someone that famous and you're actually in the you know facility and you're in his private screening room and he's just being just a straight out just jerk to you (laughs) and and you're just like wow really you know i i i I've met all these other celebrities and they've all been nice and accommodating. Mm. And, you know, luckily he wasn't my hero because, you know, you don't want to meet yeah, your heroes. Yeah, yeah. But I met John Hughes and he was my hero. Oh, and, I was going to ask you. Allegedly, and, yeah. yeah. And he was everything, yeah. everything, everything you wanted, just everything and more. So, so only, mine, mine worked out. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe only factual things like crystal skulls are allowed in Indiana Jones. Oh, films. yeah, only crystal skulls. Do, you know, they <laughs> definitely have oh, healing powers. You know yeah. what? Like, I, I went on. Sorry, I just, I thought yeah, I'd tell we, this we fun story. Get, we got to get back to Keith, but forget Keith. Keith's I don't worry waiting. about me. It's fine. Uh, I went. <laughs> I, like, I derailed you guys. Sorry. <laughs> no, just get on to George Lucas because a few years ago I went on a date with like a sound engineer. She said she uh, one of her like best friends like worked on all like the three prequel Star Wars films with George Lucas. He was like doing like. Some kind of video, like or sound kind of thing, where he had to interact with Lucas a lot. And she so asked, "What was that like?" She told me these enormous. I I couldn't say them on air, but they were like if slanderous slash liveless things. <laughs> if if they if they aren't true about what it was like to work with him. No, and, I I I I know it's true. I mean that that's <laughs> what I I mean I I just I've had too many friends go through. Um, that experience, you know, at different levels, by the way, whether they're sound people, music people. Um, yeah. Any, any run-ins have not ended too well. Mm. 
So we're going to get a call from George Lucas's lawyers in the morning. But... <laughs> we, we haven't said anything. No, we really... Oh, we I, haven't I, I, said... I, oh, yeah. Keith, no. Keith, quickly, start talking. Keith, oh, I, Keith I, wants I, to I, say good morning to you, mate. Please. <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> he could care less, I assure you. He's sitting on a giant pile of money. Yeah, he's Just bathing yeah. in it. Keith! Are you waiting for me? You are <laughs> yeah, Keith. ready now. Sega. Finished talking about George Lucas. Oh, good. I'm Freddie Prince Jr. For me, um, it's a bit like Dylan's story, really. We started off with the Master System. I couldn't tell you why my dad bought a Master System. I guess just we lived Might here. The same advert that I saw, maybe. Yeah, the Nintendo wasn't a thing. Not really. Um, and so we went from the ZX Spectrum to the Master System. Loved that. Um, it felt like only a brief period that we had that, and then he went out and bought a Mega Drive. So I'm I'm thankful to my dad for a lot of this. Um, and then Sonic came along. Um, I think the other thing for me was realizing that all these incredible arcade games that I came to love is like, oh, Outrun, that's made by Sega. Power Drift is made by Sega. Oh. Afterburner was made by Sega. And it was that connection, and then it went on and it went on. So uh, Virtual Racing came along, Daytona USA. And th- th- those arcade experiences were so big for me as well um, that it was always Sega. And so that was why after the Mega Drive, it was the Saturn. And go on, you want to say something? Del? No, what you've just reminded me of something I wanted to ask Michael about Power Drift, but I'll uh, ask you that uh, in a bit. But yeah, carry on, mate. Sorry. Power Sorry. Drift chat. That sounds good. Mm. Um, but yeah, and that was it, really. And it was it, a lot of the same stuff. It w- did always seem cooler to us over here. I don't know why. Uh, it probably was just the marketing, the adverts. It was the marketing, and yes, it, 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 we did. it was the marketing. Yeah, yeah, and we just we fell in love with Sonic as a character as well. We were like nine, ten years old, um, the perfect age, um, and the excitement uh, for Sonic Tuesday. You know, I still remember that so clearly. Yeah. Um, I think it was. It was just we were the right age, um, and Nintendo were just that little bit lower down on the radar over here in the UK. And all yeah. those things kind of combined, and yeah, the love for Sega just continued, really. Yeah, I think it was Street Fighter 2 that really made the snares in this country, like having mm-hmm. that bundle yeah, with it. Yeah. And then Starwing, I think after that, well, Star Fox slash Starwing, we called yeah. Starwing. Yeah, yeah. Starwing over here. Yeah. Um, thanks, Keith. Um, so, Michael, <laughs> um, Sega, one of the many companies you work for. Um, yeah. I think Adrian obviously asked you this in the interview, but we'll ask you again. Where the whole experience of working for sega and how it set you up for the rest of your career now how how important was sega sega for oh, you? fundamentally the most important job i ever had um nearly wow. a nearly a decade i had so many different roles juggling them at once mm-hmm. um that was an opportunity that i doubt i could ever get in any other company again I sort of did it at Yahoo to a degree in managing a bunch, but I, I had people that could competently run their, um, their stuff and I could um, manage in a sense for the first time where at Sega I was so hands-on with everything, mm. which, you know, Clyde was not happy about. Um, <laughs> but, you know, getting at Anunziata not to make video games or me not to make games um, or for me to get, you know, two or three jobs at the same time is just not something that, um, you know, was going to be held back. And Mm -hmm. that sort of rebel attitude also came from us. I mean, we were all young, 20s, um, ready to change the paradigm. Electronic Arts had attitude. 
Um, yeah. You know, uh, Activision once it moved to LA kind of started to develop attitude. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, uh, because it was a much more corporate company when I was there. You mm. know, it, it, they want they changed the name to MediaGenic for God's sakes. Um, mm. So uh, you know, and we were doing product productivity stuff at the same time. So it was hardly a rebel place, but um, that attitude um, was very very special, and I had the most amazing team. I mean, the Omega Group, um, working with the Test Group that, you know, at one point was moving at 24 hours a day. The QA guys just day and night doing, you know, burns of games, um, interfacing with some of the best developers. Um, You know, people just rolling through there at random. Oh, there's Michael Jackson. And, you know, know, (laughs) and have those experiences or going to get sold on a license. Like I unfortunately got sold the Cool World license, which (laughs) after... And got to sit in the theater and see that film and go, oh, my God, we got to cancel this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, you get you get to go meet, you know, for a quick thing, Passenger and, and Brad Pittson in front of you. Nice. You know, for yeah. those sort of things. Or like John Hughes and, you know, for Home Alone. And um, so you uh, you can't replicate that. I mean, you know, we I, I had some of it at Yahoo because we had celebs come into there because it was so early, and we did celebrity things, and you know, um, but uh, it, it wasn't the same. It was a, a corporate environment. This 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 was like a clubhouse, uh, kind of in my review. When mm-hmm. I say a clubhouse, I mean mm-hmm. this was the ultimate clubhouse. Nice. And then we were we were making games for what people loved, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, if th- there's a famous video of us at E3, we're all in black suits and dark sunglasses, um, managing. <laughs> the I mean, you know, we just had pure attitude. Badass. Yeah. And you got away with it. I think that's the main thing, isn't it? I mean, you can go, you can, you can, you can wear sunglasses indoors, but not everyone gets away with it. Yeah, but if you're from yeah, Sega. No, yeah, if you're from I, Sega, I, you probably get away with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think most places. I know that EA um, would have a Friday bash where I think it was like beer and I think some scotch or whatever. But I mean, we had a full-on hidden bar. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, in in the Omega Group. I mean, just within our own group. Um, you know, any other company, HR would have had a heart attack, um, but they trusted us and and we were smart enough and, and made sure if anybody was ever going to partake, they were going to be there for hours or they were staying overnight. I mean, you know, we weren't dumb either. And we were real professional. We cared about the games. I mean, Mm. that I, that I can assure you. And, and I saw the test group just, go to the wall to make sure that certain bugs got fixed or certain quality issues got fixed. And, and all those guys got moved up. You know, a lot of the guys like, you know, future guests for you, Eric Wahlberg, mm. he started out, he came, he came, worked at a grocery store, came in to test. I saw the talent immediately, fostered him sort of to get, you know, into the funnel to join nice. development. And, you know, he turned out to be like my right-hand guy on Eternal Champions and so many other projects, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, that's, that's also something that's amazing about Sega. So many people grew up through the system, you mm-hmm. know, just had a full career and still have careers. So they're still yeah. in games. There is, I mean, because you, you mentioned in your interview with us, Console Wars, um, yeah. the Blake Harris book. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Keith actually got it me for my birthday a few years ago, and it's a great read actually. It's just um, obviously you kind of try to tell it like a story as opposed to just relaying everyone's interviews, and you really do get that kind of family vibe yeah. from yeah. Sega well, he, in he, through he the book. Uh, yeah, he did the sort of management and marketing side, product development. We're only mentioned, I think, only Ed and I like make a small appearance mm. in the book. Yeah, um, and that's totally fair. I think the story is about Sonic and um, about Sega versus Nintendo, mm. as far as how they were being sold into the channel and and who was going to dominate and who was going to win. You know, like there was a time I can't remember, unfortunately, but we were among the coolest brands of like Coca Cola, Nike, and C. Mm. You know, was yeah. like we were somewhere in that mix, and. Yeah. And 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 so the marketing people and the management people deserve all what Blake Harris has put in that book. I mean, Ken Hor- mm. uh, Horowitz has at Sega Sixteen wrote a book about uh, PD. There's a, a a really good older read called The Last Quarter mm. uh, by my friend Steve Kent. That really uh, that one focuses on all of that. It like mm. covers the Blake Harris book and the Sega Sixteen book. Mm-hmm. It you know it's like a vast overview of the, the. I need to read the other ones, especially the Steve Kent one because we've had him. Yeah, we've had yeah, him on the site as well. We have, haven't um, we? Actually, yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a mate of our friend oh, Jordan, who's. I'm 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 a, I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, you know. Yeah, great writer. He he got yeah he he went into writing actual uh, fictional works. Um, mm. I I was sad when he left the industry in a sense, but um, I'm happy my time overlapped with his time mm-hmm. because I really felt this was a guy like I'm very happy with that that book. Like you know how how he characterized anything I said was spot on. He you know um, and. Um, you know, warts and all in a sense. He like covered things, you know, he was the first one really to, uh, uh, you know, mine the SOA, SOJ not getting along. You know, he was the first guy that really put that written down in a way that made Mm -hmm. sense and explained how that happened and why that happened. That is a shame meeting. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, leading on from that, what I wanted to ask earlier was, because we kind of related to Console Wars, I suppose, bringing that into the mainstream between the book and the film. And, you know, we were kind of talking about the whole Nintendo-Sega rivalry earlier with, obviously, you could kind of feel that manifesting in terms of people sending in the, like, hand-drawn pictures of Sonic chainsawing Mario. (laughs) I just wanted to ask, like, did you feel that kind of rivalry at the time? Was it, like, that competition with Nintendo? Or were you just kind of too busy doing do your own thing and you know to really kind of care about what nintendo and to an even lesser extent amiga were doing um yeah we you know there was a mix of uh jealousy in a sense because each console could do different things so when they did mode seven and mm-hmm. we didn't have a response to that and then Blast i got processing direct- though michael come on yes Blast processing <laughs> which i which which i which i co-created by the way um <laughs> But quite accidentally, that was France Tantiato. Um, and uh, she asked me, you know, and I said, it, 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 well, we have this burst mode and it can be used in this technical way. And she said, oh, burst, that's a horrible term. How about blast? And next thing I know, there's a commercial and Joe Miller needs to speak with me. Um, so he was never happy about that, nor was uh, Tom. But, but, but 
I so I was that was my only time I was pulled into the rivalry was mm. the Super Nintendo guys were like, okay, what's up with this blast processing thing? You know, <laughs> um, and and so um, that's the only time I felt like there was any little um, thing between. Mm. Um, of course, we would get disappointed if they got an exclusive. Um, we get that exclusive and we felt a lot of pressure to compete at that level. I mean, I remember the first time Donkey Kong appeared. Oh, Uh, yeah. SNES. Mm. On the SNES. Right. It looked right to be fair. Yeah. 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 And, and you're looking at that and you're going, oh man, this is, this is a whole different skill set. Um, you know, and, and, and so we're out having to compete get developers that have those skills and meanwhile they take a look at experts of uh but it was it but it was employing that sort of look um and then try and, and try and use that to compete against donkey kong i'm like mm. oh no oh no no um <laughs> uh, but um uh and that's how that ended up a giant mess but yeah so there was that tension but we had we had respect for them as people who develop games yeah. i mean you know, when you look at anything that came from their top design people, we would just worship it, you know, and go, wow, this is just awesome game design. I mean, just, mm-hmm. you know, we'd, we'd learn as much. And I think they learned from us some things, too, because they, they I think they were afraid to embrace because of their leadership, a, a little bit of attitude. And later in the game, I think they realized, oh, yeah, we're going to have to we're going to have to eventually engage this growing adult audience mm. that is aging out and, and keep them engaged. And so I think they they learned from us. And certainly when a lot of the Sega people left and helped create Sony's, you know, first effort, they had our all our playbooks. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they could just devastate us because they knew exactly what we were going to do, where we were going <laughs> to um, and what our weaknesses were, you mm. know. So is, actually, it was the Sony one was the harder one because here's yeah. all these people you work with and you love, and you're still going to work with and love in the future, but yeah. they're going to just they're going to crush you, and you know they're yeah. going to crush you. You can Place, see it coming. Yeah, I think yeah when the PlayStation came along, yeah, I think that yeah. was it was hard. Just was just hard. a really quick question on that: if you could choose any game from like the SNES that you wish was made for the Mega Drive, any game you thought, wow, this would have helped. The brand hugely. Which game would you choose, Michael? Oh boy! You know, I'd almost go with Donkey Kong, just because I I remember computer-generated, shiny, photorealistic. It was sort of immortal, but it was like going to change the way that people. It was the next level of um, reality engagement. You weren't abstracted with the, the little cute Mario and cubes, and these are clearly mm-hmm. low-res graphics. This is the first time that a cartoon is, you're, you're in control of an actual cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the Genesis, we never got there, in a sense. We, mm-hmm. we, yeah. We, you know, we never had that living cartoon. We just no. couldn't push the hardware to deliver that look. And I was always Earthworm Jim, possibly. Well, that's on both, isn't it? To be fair, yeah, er, yeah, both, but it was yeah, still yeah. Uh, it, it was a, it was more of a hand cell. Uh, and by the way, I'm an Earth, Earthworm Jim was my pick for who to have a drink with. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's maybe arguably one of the best top five games, top three games. 
with the system as far as just pure, you know, how much blood, sweat, and tears went into that. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, that's 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 what I would pick. I think there's a lot of others that I could pick from my own personal gaming engagement, but mm. I'm talking about what our what our fans would have liked. Yeah, and I feel like mode seven stuff. Yeah. It, it, we got jealous of it initially, but then it wasn't an issue because a lot of the games just used it as a trick, as a mm -hmm. right. look what we can do. Yeah. There was only a couple of games that really made it engaging. So I never had jealousy for that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting you kind of talk about what the fans would have wanted because we kind of go on from the Mega Drive. Like a lot of, I think if you were kind of around at the time, it felt like the big selling point for the Mega CD was full motion video. And the big selling point for the Saturn was the 3D get like Virtua type kind of adaptations of the arcade games. Obviously, neither of which are kind of going to that whole controlling living cartoon thing you were talking about. Did you do you feel like maybe that was a missed opportunity for like the kind of post Mega Drive consoles? Absolutely. That's why I wanted to do even Ratchet and Bolt for the 32X. Mm. Was we were going to try and give a rendered look um, to yeah. the the world. It was a shiny. Like Sony built the world, you know, cheaply out of cheap plastic uh, Sony parts, but still, it was <laughs> supposed to have that engagement. And mm. yeah, no, we uh, for whatever reason, the full motion video, and part of that was Joe Miller was really into full motion. Mm. I mean, he really believed in it. He really, as much as I was into this idea of trying to get uh, open immersive worlds uh, and and. and cartoon level realism and then to photorealism that all that engagement joe was just like i want to control movies and yeah, yeah, yeah. and so he really enabled um uh, rocket science and other people to 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 get a lot of um, um love uh you know to to show the you know uh what the sega cd could do and mm -hmm. i was always you know uh kind of hard on him uh, uh you know uh on joe i i was I, I would push back a lot on it frankly but i was also pushing back because we were uh, sometimes testing these full motion games and you know the the feedback from the testers you know that was really important because that was telling you what the consumer was going to think, and there was not a lot of love, you know, mm. uh, coming from a lot of them. Um, they're they good to look back on now. I mean, they're yeah. they make they make really good research, you know, um, subjects actually. <laughs> the F and B games. Well, I, I I find it interesting that no one has truly returned to it. Yeah. Um, in a sense, there's been some. There's there's been um, like uh, a couple interactive. Like I think even Netflix has something yeah, that yeah. you can walk through. Oh, Bandersnatch. But, Bandersnatch. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think it's because current gen graphics are almost they're almost indistinguishable from from real life now. I was playing I was playing Detroit Become Human the other day. And there yeah. is a bit where um, one of the protagonists is sort of holding like a little girl's hand and she's standing in front of a, a house and it's tipping it down with rain. You cannot tell that that is that is done by by a computer, but like, you just yeah. can't. Yeah, it, it, no. that's, that's what it is. You know, that's, no, that's there's, where we are. there's an amazing shot of the city in cyberpunk um, mm -hmm. that, yeah. you know, and I go, oh, my God. I mean, you can I, I couldn't fly a drone in a proper u.s city or international city except for maybe singapore um <laughs> yeah. would be the one place on the planet that would, 
<laughs> you know, that could rival that would look so like Blade Runner um, mm. that Cyberpunk pulled off. And yeah, see that 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 sort of stuff. That's where I wanted to go. To me, that was far more exciting yeah. was to mm. to to create. You know, actually uh, living it rather than just watching. Yeah. It well, look at look mm. at what the No Man's Sky guys have done. I mean, they had a I game. I heard. I need to get it back off Keith. I gave it to Keith. I was <laughs> yeah. so keyed off with it when oh, I first you need, got it. You, you need to see it. It's amazing. I yeah. mean, I, I, all the credit to them, man. They just, you know, took it to the chin. Uh, everybody hated on them. Yeah. And, they've been, and they've been working on this thing. I, I can't even remember. Is it four or five years still going? Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been and, and, and they have literally built the game that they promised um, and, and right. more. Um, right, Keith, and, give it back. <laughs> and, I've got to and, get it back off my cousin first. Get off your cousin. But anyway, it's it's. I, I'm saying there's an example of like it's it's just uh, not to be a realistic world, mm. but to be this you know procedural generated world that's so mind blowing. And I I was thinking about those things. You know, like when the Chaos New Mexico 32x game. That was exactly what I wanted to do. Some sort of procedural mm. cause and effect world. You know, um, yeah. all these ideas. So. Those are the exciting ones that I wish we could have gotten. And they've to do. come to well, they've taken a they, few they, years. They have. Now, but Sega, they've come Sega, to fruition. Yeah, but yeah. I'm saying, you know, I wish they were under the Sega brand. Oh god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Sega brand, yeah. I mean, Sega do publish games here, there at the moment. Yep. But again, they, we'll get we get into they that. They do, later. they do, and they yeah. have some very good. They they they're independent kind of standalone developers some of them mm-hmm. are real solid i'm not going to say anything bad about them mm-hmm. but but there's no cohesiveness there as far as uh, as far as i can tell from an outsider of what does a sega product mean nowadays mm-hmm. except for sonic that's that's ah, good glad you mentioned him again so my next question <laughs> is sort of centered around um little blue hedgehog but i'm gonna ask a quick question to everyone and then we'll get on to him um your favorite sega console so Mine's a Mega Drive, easy pick. Um, it was the second second um, second Sega console I got, and it's just you know I still play still play now. I bought the Mega SG just so I could play it in HD. It's just you know it's that's 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 where I am. So Adrian, uh, I have to agree with you. The Mega Drive as well. Uh, Mega Drive, yeah. So many good games in it. <laughs> yeah, Keith. It's very, very close. Say something. I want you to say something different. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very close, but I'd go with the Saturn. Just yes. just ahead of the Mega Drive. Just ahead of the Mega Drive. Good. It's Good. like a loyalty thing as well. You know, it, I, I was surrounded by PlayStations yeah. and we got the Saturn. <laughs> and, you know, as wonky as it looked, being able to play Daytona at home mm-hmm. and play Sega Rally at home and, and all that, you know, for me, I loved it. Yeah, I love good. it. Good. Yeah. So it's going to lead so up to very, my next ju- question. Very, very close, but just ahead. I, yeah. I, I'm going to. I'm just going to say mine, just so you know. Oh, you got I, Michael, yeah. Mine was the um, Sega CD variant that was the portable one. Yeah. The, no- so, was the Nomad. What was yes. It? Oh, the Nomad yeah. was portable. The, bigger drive. No, it? not the, uh, not that one. This one was a CD player that had a Genesis built in. I've, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, That's a weird yeah. shape, isn't it? Kind yeah. Of, yeah. It's like a little box with a round end where the yeah, CD yeah, yeah. is in. And it had a full-on uh, cart built into it. So it was a standalone Mega Drive and Sega CD combined. And it was portable. And it could play uh, music on battery. What? So you could listen on the plane. 
Um, and um, yeah, Keith's looking it up because I the name is uh, <laughs> um, Keith's the research guy. Yeah, but, but so, why did you play thirty two X games? That's the question. I did. I, I did because I had That's to. The Wonder uh, Mega, Multi Mega, Multi yeah. Mega. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. I still I still have two of those. Oh, and wow. and oh, and, I'll lend us one. <laughs> well, one's on its last life, or I will. Okay, no, no, no. Uh, but. Uh, uh, I used we used to love that thing though because when we traveled we brought Eternal Champions CD edition and we played you know each other at that we uh, you know um, and yeah no I loved the 32x I, I it crushed me when my three games got you know I I thought we could have done something with it at least for the people that bought it and I, I was happy we at least delivered Star Wars for them. That Sega, Sega LA delivered Star Wars. I felt like, if anything, you know, we did at least, you know, our job in one game that was something different. Mm-hmm. So what happened to the multi-mega? Why was that never brought forward? Um, it, it was brought forward. It was just overpriced, I think, and overexpensive at the time. It was costly, as I remember. I can't remember the price point, but it was expensive. So it was more the only expensive than the two things put together, then was yeah, it probably totally was. was. Mm. But but it would blow people away because I'd be on a plane with it, listening to audio, and they'd go, <laughs> "Is that a Sega cartridge?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, you know, if we if, if we had power and a, a little screen, we could game right now." Um, yeah. yeah. So it was it was awesome. It, so. I just thought I'd throw that in. Most people don't know about that machine. Uh, yeah. Nice curveball. We like that. I, I think the only people that had them were a few, a few like real early adopters, and all of us that got them for free. Well, I did a poll, Dylan. I don't know if you want to get into that now. Just wait to the end. Something I'll do the poll then. Then I'll. Shall we? Then we'll talk about Sonic. Okay, go on. So I, I tweeted out um, not that long ago, actually, about a couple of hours ago. I said, "Favorite Sega console and why." We may be using this in a future podcast. We are using it. Who would have thought it? And we got 242 votes. Wow. That and many people bothered voting. I put, down the Ma- <laughs> I put down the Marsis and the Mega Drive slash Genesis, the Saturn and the Dreamcast. Do you guys want to guess the, 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 in that order? See who gets it right. Who hasn't Good. spoken for a while? Rob. Rob, have a guess. Top, so fourth to first. Um, fourth to first. Marsis and Dreamcast, Saturn, Mega Drive. Oh. Oh, close. Keith, what do you reckon? Um, I would go Master System, Saturn, Dreamcast, Mega Drive. Interesting, Dilsey. I've seen the results. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, do you want to have a guess? In our lovely Twitter followers. Uh, no, I'm not even going to venture to take a guess. Uh, my guess is, my uh, I'll say this: my guess is Mega Drive is number one. Okay, well, I'll reveal the result. Everyone's on tenderhook. So, in with seven percent of the votes, it's the Master System. Ooh, I like the Master System. In... Good, good for them. I mean, I, I can understand because if you talk about depth of library and, you know, a lot of uh, people's early, you know, video game memories, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Mm. But, but my guess is also a lot of uh, older players there. Because it's retro related, that's, that's who you're pulling in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Third place, Saturn. Sorry, Keith. Oh, that's Keith. Seven I think that's Keith always did on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I just kept kept voting. And if in second place, it's, it's relatively close, not really, really, but in second place, Dreamcast with 25%. So it leaves the Mega Drive slash Genesis with 51% of the votes, so just over half. 
It's a mammoth console, I, isn't it? it yeah, is yeah mammoth, I, 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 I'm actually shocked it didn't get 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 all the way to sixty. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of nice to, uh, to continue to see the love for the Dreamcast. And by the way, I like the Saturn. Don't get me wrong, but I, I the problem with the Saturn was we were we weren't allowed really on the Saturn at the time. We were um, because I was running tests. We were forced to do all the other you know wind down the you yeah. know other platforms so you know we we had to look at the console kind of lovingly from afar um where we got to participate a little more we didn't get to make games uh, for the dreamcast because it obviously we then got spun off to sega soft but um some of the people in development were working with it um so we had a lot of love for the whole design and the way it ran you know we mm. wish we could have done a lot more on it let me put it that way yeah yeah, absolutely. But I'm um, I'm 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 with Keith in that I I did love the arcade um, feel of uh, the Saturn because yeah. for me you know I had to do power drift and I had to do it take take it from playing the arcade machine in the office and then turn that down to a game that ran on an IBM PC, <laughs> you know, with CGA graphics. Yeah. So when I looked at the Saturn, I was like so weepy, you know, thinking about if I could make oh, power yeah. drift. It's great on the Saturn as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you, so it's gone back to my power drift question, actually, before we go into Sonic. Mm-hmm. Um, why wasn't there a Mega Drive version of mm-hmm. power drift? Um, it, it, it just, they... Didn't have the confidence, I think, that it could be... It's on the PC engine. It's on the PC engine. It's like you said, you you did those other ports that obviously are lesser-powered things. I I think because it would have required their blessing to do it, and they Mm. would have likely wanted to do it, so it would have been an SOJ product. Uh, And I think they mm. felt the window for it had passed somewhat. Mm. Because from from their perspective, remember, they're making all these super successful coin-up machines one after mm-hmm. another and they're moving up you know generations as far as the boards that run them and the tech that run them mm-hmm. so for them that 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 was like already a retro thing and and mm-hmm. soj didn't like to go back a lot um until you know obviously now they go back um and do retro stuff but in those days it was all about let's keep moving forward let's keep moving forward unless it was uh, a virtual product product, it was going to land on the next gen machines and mm-hmm. see from their view um just uh the way that power drift works it's not true 3d no it's no. yeah it's just sprites isn't it it's, not. it's just it's just sprites and so it's amazing they had, how they did it i mean i look at oh, it now I, and i know it's all still sprites and i'm uh, like how are they doing it goes up oh, and down and it's yeah it's I, I i played the machine till almost the steering wheel fell off um, <laughs> yeah so, i mean keeper okay. michael you're not the biggest power drift fans here <laughs> I oh i i just i i could not get over how they were able to create that motion and yeah. just mm-hmm. how tight and how well designed and how responsive a sprite-driven engine like that could be just—it mm. was. I, I understood the technology and the, the nature behind it, and it just mystified me to this day to how they got the feel. Because that was that—that that was Sega's coin-op people's thing. Was they—they mm. they not only nailed the technology, but they always got 
the feel of, of a coin-op beyond anybody else's coin-op. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I will go to my grave on that statement that there's no better coin-op designer in the world than Sega. With you. Yeah. Don't worry. We're not going to argue with that. We're not going to argue with that. But yeah, so we'll, we'll come off. The arcade thing was something I want to co- cover a bit later. But um, Sonic. Rob hasn't spoken for a little while. Sonic. Um, what? So this, a couple of questions all wrapped into one, really. Was he the making of Sega? Why was he the making of Sega? <laughs> and what makes him special in 2020? Um, oh, oof, uh, that last one. I don't know if I'm qualified on that last one, but um, <laughs> well, because I don't, I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm not attached to their current thinking on what they're doing with him in 2020. Um, he fundamentally came at a time where we needed a Mario. Mm. And it wasn't that he was designed to be a Mario, but he, once they saw him, they realized he could be a competitor to Mario. But then when the first playable came in and you revved him up and he went spinning around and doing the loop to loop, it was over. I mean, we were all just, our jaws were on the floor. Mm. I mean, none of our games look like this. Nobody's games look like this. Um, Nintendo's games didn't look like that. And I, it was, it was really the game design and the technology. Then Sega of America really, I think had its most major and successful relationship with SOJ in pushing back Mm -hmm. and getting in and constantly reworking him, which is well covered in the Blake Harris book. And every bit of that is true. Um, um, a lot of it is down to well, he puts a lot of it down to Tom Kalinsky, and obviously, I've had a bit of a chat with Tom. Um, yeah, you know, um, lovely Al, Al, Al Nielsen. And Al Nielsen. Yeah, Al, Al, yeah, yeah, and 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 oh god, I forgot her name. Uh, she's Bert's wife. Um, oh, she's yeah. in the book. Um, yes, I know, I know. Yeah, I, you know. Oh yeah. god. Uh, oh boy, uh, it's just been so many years. Um, she also should get a huge part because they were the ones that defined, um, you know who he was, how he was going to act. And so then the, the, the foot tapping, you know, was in the first thing, but then other things got added. Um, and, um, and they really got um, SOJ and SOA to agree what his character was going to be, how kind of he was going to be marketed. Um, and, uh, and that, I think that synergy, that, that, rare thing where SOJ and SOA were on the same page mm-hmm. um, and were able to cooperate with each other and bend both ways um, made him the most powerful character in Sega history mm-hmm. um, because that was so rare. And of course, just the awesome game design and technology mm-hmm. behind it and the right character, right time. I mean, you know, um, when your whole thing is resting on a plumber that doesn't have a distinct personality mm. and you, and they weren't investing in really making a personality for him. Mm. Um, uh, you know, they, they, they let a really horrible movie get out there. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, that, that was the success. We knew, we knew who we were and we knew who our younger siblings if you had them or our friends our younger friends were and we knew they were going to eat up that it was eight you know 80s coming into the 90s you know all that attitude in the movies it was just perfect timing and he he was perfect you know for that okay so you know what 
Oh, and, and, and the, uh, the 2020, real quick to that. Mm-hmm. I think he's still relevant. Um, I, I, I think the movie uh, introduced him to a whole new thing. Um, it, it's interesting, uh, you know, that movie made quite a journey. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, you mm-hmm. know, when you think what it could have been and then what it became. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a pretty good situation. I think I think they got a real positive outcome out of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's up to what they do with him now. I think I think he mm-hmm. I think he's scheduled for reinvention in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, I could hear Al Nielsen from wherever he's currently living screaming no. Um, but <laughs> that's that's my opinion is that you know, um even Mickey Mouse got hipped up at some point and mm-hmm. modified and, and modernized a little. You know, mm-hmm. you could nudge him in the right direction. I like really twenty twenty Sonic. Yeah, well twenty nine yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean Sonic. they follow the film, you know, not verbatim, but Update them a little, make them a little, mm-hmm. you know, you, you now have got a different world in a sense. You've got some rules you put there. That's kind of interesting. Um, you so know, the thing is, he's with us now, isn't he? He's with us in the human world now. He's yeah, in, in the, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know where they're going to go. Are they, are they going to ignore that completely and just stick to the, you know, he's in the green zone for the rest of his life? Um, <laughs> I don't I don't think so. I think it's time to, you know, give them some new places. I, and yeah. I, it's not my place to tell them what to do, um, yeah. even though, I, you know, tweet them, day, tweet them a few things and just see if they yeah, and, and any day of the week. I, I'd be down there tomorrow to, to, to run that place. I'll yeah. tell you that. Any, I, I'm sure a lot of um, the Sega people would also I'm sure Ed Enunciata would probably feel that. <laughs> And a lot of others, you know, look at that and go, man, if I could just get a hold of all that IP and uh, yeah, look and, at it exactly and, and reunify it and, and get some of the old team back and build a Can whole new team. Can you imagine? Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine? Sorry, Rob, you, um, you wanted to, to ask? Yeah, oh, sorry, Rob. Well, well, no, I was going to kind of, I guess, bring up the exact same point and ask, do you remember probably about late 2019 when the first actual trailer for the Sonic film came out mm. and we were talking about how awful it looked. Yeah. Oh, can you, like, can you imagine then, like if someone had told you that's going to be the fourth highest grossing film of 2020 worldwide? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah. when I, when I saw it, you have to understand, I mean, no one messed with Sonic, you know, mm. uh, it, it was, it, you know, like you could not, if I wanted to put Sonic in the opening to Eternal Champions, there was no way that was <laughs> Did you try at least? You know? No. Just put him in the Sega I mean, bit. He's, I yeah, know yeah. Sega no, bit, that's but, what yeah. I mean. You know, where all the yeah. characters walk out and they destroyed. I yeah. actually said, can't we have Sonic walk out and uh, act wouldn't like my, oh, my mistake, he's in the same game? And it was like, no, <laughs> absolutely oh. not. You know, um, character unlockable. That'd be great. Yeah, you and 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 that and that was the case for everybody. He 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 was important and untouchable. So when I saw that first trailer, I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, like <laughs> there are people who are having an emotional meltdown. I mean, Al Nielsen. They must have had to like put him in a straitjacket. You know, and then to catch up with Al again. Actually, yeah, and and. Yeah, and then, you know, I don't know what he thinks of the final outcome, but I'm sure he's got to be happy it went from point A to point B. I think they really got the essence of him, personally. I think, you know, Sonic was, you know... At least he always seemed an affable, yeah, an affable character, you know, looks after his friends and 
okay yeah. he's, a, he's a little bit of a dick isn't he but that, that kind of <laughs> cockiness and that kind of you know it's, yeah. it's appealing isn't it it's appealing he's, to he's, he's, o- he's overconfident I mean that's the way mm. he was kind of in the comic books and the things and 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 I'm totally uh, I think they captured it and you know it went from a horror film um with yeah, the team really and, bad, I mean it was so. like oof. I mean, it was like altered world Sonic. I mean, you know, it was like, because I, I always joke with my friends that, you know, here in the U.S., it's been a rough time for the last four years. And uh, <laughs> we've, yeah. we've, we've sort of been on Earth 2. And I'm like, oh, man, that Sonic's like on Earth 8. Man. That, that's, that, that's a horrible Earth. And maybe, uh, you know, yeah. maybe Earth 2 is not so bad. Yeah, send that Sonic back. Yeah, no, well, they... yeah, like uh, the big thing Sonic and Star Wars really have in common is that they have this whole. There's been like this long-running Sonic the Hedgehog comic book. Just like there's yes. all these like kind of Star Wars side novels, and there's this whole like other kind of part of the universe which just no the mainstream fans never get near, probably for the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just I just find yeah, it interesting. That... Yeah, the fan fiction. Don't do yeah. fan fiction. No, no. Oh god. I, 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 there, there, there's some eternal champion fan fiction. I was like, oh, horror, horror. No way. Uh, oh, um, but uh, yeah, no. It's it's interesting because yeah, I don't know what is canon anymore in the Sonic universe. Like you used to know yeah. what was canon mm. and not canon. Yeah, it's like because there's there's some what? stuff in the yeah comic books that is not in the game that's not really canon. Um, and you know, at any given time, that's kind of a flexible thing. And now the movie with this whole concept that the rings are warped, you know, warped. Yeah, the warpy uh, thing, they kind of works a little bit. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it kind of works in the game. Oh yeah, it, it totally works, but it, 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 it I think they limited to nine worlds or something. I forget. Mm. They, it was a small number of worlds. And I, I thought that was interesting that they chose to do that limit because they may regret it if they, if this becomes a long running thing, you know, to your point about how you build out a universe. Mm-hmm. Cause they were always careful to keep Sonic a very wide universe, you know, mm. where they could bring anything in if they really wanted to, but they were also real tight about it. And they got to mm. give mad respect for that because other mm. franchises have really gone South when you lose control. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we'll bring in Adrian and Keith again. I just want to ask a few, a few, a few things about Sonic. So mm. you guys, I mean, Sonic games are massive, aren't they? What do you think? Do you think, what, why is he still so big? Is it because the mega drive games were so good? Is it because the character is good? You know what, you know, why wasn't there a good Sonic game on the Saturn? There's a few kind of things kind of spinning mm. around my head at the minute. Um, we'll go to Keith first. I think he's. Um, I mean, in terms of why he's still popular, I think it's, it's a character that would always appeal to kids of a certain age. Mm. You know, me obviously, yeah. me and uh, Aid can talk. We're parents of boys of a certain age, um, just like we were those boys of that age. You know, um, so it will it, always appeal to kids. Um, <sighs> I'm not sure in terms of the games. Obviously, it's been a, up until we got Sonic Mania. How good were the games? How good were the original? Mega how good were the originals? Mm. Well, the original, what to me, the, the first two were perfection almost. Um, yeah. In terms of what I wanted from a platform game, um, a lot of people prefer the third. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were proper sort of touchstones in gaming for for well, a lot for millions of people. Um, if you didn't grow up playing Super Mario Brothers, which I didn't, yeah. you know, this, this for, you know, the, for maybe a people of five, six years older than us, they'll always go with that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the first real landmark for me, I think, in gaming. Sonic One, 
Mm. Although we, you know, we had the Master System and I played that and, you know, played the old game in the arcade when I got a chance. But that was the first huge thing at home was playing Sonic 1 on the Mega Drive. Mm. Um, yeah, it felt like the arcade at home. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I remember playing games on the Spectrum, uh, early Amiga games like New Zealand Story, which are good, you know, good platformers, Chuck Rock, good platformers, mm. uh, even Zool. I put my hands up, you know. Uh, no, not Zool. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 Got it in there. But it was just a different... It, even though I thought the Amiga was better at certain games, uh, genres, for example, we have, we have this discussion quite often, Rob and I, like, <laughs> but I just think the Mega Drive, uh, somehow, I don't know how they did it, they captured, like Sonic, Sonic 2, I just couldn't believe it. It was like, this, this is not possible, it's too fast. How can a console capture it so well? It's, it's unbelievable. Um, I think that is true, but the other thing is, Sonic is such a classic character in terms of design and kind of personality that i mean in contrast to say nintendo where you have all these great zelda and mario games but it does sometimes kind of feel like the games are just it feels like the characters just inserted into the games whereas the games as opposed to the games kind of going around the character maybe you'll disagree with that for the zelda games adrian but i think sonic is such like a timeless and perfectly conceptualized character that doesn't really matter how many bad games he's in the character will still feel fresh and vivid in the same way that Spider-Man will still feel kind of fresh yeah. and vivid. And yeah, even yeah. though he, he went through a, like a long time of just being in terrible comics in the <laughs> 90s and 2000s. But, you know, you look at him now, still a massive kind of fictional character. Look at Earthworm Jim. He had two great games and a third game. And there's a real stinker. It's kind of, I know, and I think he's coming back, to be fair, with an exclusive game for that Tommy Tallarico console. I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah, and hopefully it's it a great game. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that kind of destroyed that 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 IP, one for a better term. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Sonic just keeps coming back. He's the underdog mm. in my eyes. And interestingly, I, again, I might be talking rubbish here, but I think hedgehogs aren't particularly known in Japan. They're quite unusual animals. I think that they're, they're, we have them in Britain. I've never seen a hedgehog actually in the in the wild, but they do obviously have an out. And I think they're quite mysterious animals. So I think, and obviously they're not blue. Believe it or not, um, picking a really unusual animal for a lot of countries. I Wasn't it like Mr. Thing. Needle Mouse or something at that the beginning? It, yeah. Right? yeah, I'm getting this yeah. from. Sorry, Michael. I'm getting this from. from, from do you have hedgehogs in the US, Michael? I know it's a weird question. I do, I'm sorry, I missed that, Adrian. Do you have hedgehogs in the US? I don't know. If yes, that's... we do have hedgehogs, but like you said, they're they're uh, animals that tend to hide and burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, uh, I've only seen them like on YouTube. Mm. Uh, they're cute little animals. I mean, Amazing. you know, uh, they're not known so, for their speed. Let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> not, uh, yeah, not blue, not known for speed. I mean, it was it, it was a weird pick, but because he, the spiky idea, the spikes were the key, right? The the mm. attitude and the spikes. Yeah. So they had to come up with, and for whatever reason, it just worked. You know, when mm. when you spoke the full title. It just, everybody kind of forgot about the hedgehog part. To be honest, people, almost everybody just refers to him as Sonic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, you know, especially like, nowadays, just, yeah. Yeah, he's just yeah. Sonic. Uh, you know, the hedgehog, you know, from, from their point of view, he's just a cartoon, you know, character, or in the case of the movie, a, a real character, but still, you know. Um, do you know, actually, a- Michael, do you know, I wanted to ask you something about Sonic. Um, do you know why there wasn't, a Sonic platform game on the Saturn. Mm. I mentioned it uh, earlier, but I know they had. I know they had Sonic R, which is a bit of an experience. Um, yeah, my there was guess a game what, in development, wasn't there? I, I, I think. Yeah, my guess is is that 
you have to understand the 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 whole transition between Saturn and um, Dreamcast was a very complicated thing as far as trying to get what SOJ was going to do mm-hmm. and I think what S- STI was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't speak to that one. I really don't know. But my guess would be that they really were worried about getting it right on the Dreamcast at a certain point when they realized they were going to move on from the Saturn. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I think something was abandoned or um, it was certainly underdeveloped probably mm-hmm. a much smaller team than that normally would be put on it. That's yeah. my guess. I didn't, I, I didn't have any insight to what was going on at STI versus yeah. SOJ at the time. Yeah. But I know, that they, I know that they were struggling to because, um, uh, what is it, Knights? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Knights into Dreams. Knights into yeah. Dreams yeah. Yes, yeah. So, so, so the Sonic, part of the Sonic team was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took uh, resources away from doing other Sonic stuff. Yeah. And any time a team came on, even if it was a Sega of Japan team, if they were going to do a Sonic, th- there was always a lot of concern mm-hmm. and consternation. Yeah. Were they up to the task? Yeah. So that really is, I, I, this is my guess. It's purely a guess. It was just a, ca- a capacity, a capacity issue. They Sounds just, like a good calculated guess. Um, yeah, I mean, person. I mean, the the adventure games were were pretty well received on the Dreamcast, but I don't know personally. I don't like them. I, I, I for me, Sonic is a two D guy, apart from apart from in the movie. But, yeah, my yeah, my guess on that is is those were other teams than the core team, mm-hmm. with some core team members, and they had skill sets that really didn't allow um, for the more traditional game, and they were waiting for to put a team that they could trust around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they were under pressure to show off the 3d. There was a huge pressure mm-hmm. to, you know, you got to, you know, it always drove me nuts that, you know, they just completely abandoned all fighting games in 2d. Mm. You know? Yeah. Really? And, and, you, and, and you see now there's a return now to, you know, essentially locking in, even if it's a 3d thing, a 2d Fighting, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. into a two D fighting experience um, because that's still valid, and I felt that way about all the products. Whatever you were doing, um, you know, uh, you 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 suddenly had to do it in three D, even if yeah. it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like if you were going to do columns, let's just say on the Dreamcast, they'd be like, "Oh, you got to do it <laughs> with, a, you know, three D and a swiveling yeah. camera." You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, that yeah would, you, you could not get a 2D design through. It it's like the N64. I think I did. I thought, is there any 2D games in the N64? I think there's like two of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everything else is like dodgy. And I like the N64. I'm a big fan, but it's quite grainy 3D. It's like, wow. Yeah. You know, I wonder how powerful the N64 would be at the 2D sprites, but I guess we'll never know properly. We'll get yeah, on I mean, N64 next week. Yeah, right? well, they, they did fall into the same trap, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, that was always, I think, like for me, the dream was always arcade at home. Yeah. And yeah. then you kind of get these consoles and yeah, if you're into say Virtua Fighter or Virtua Racing, mm-hmm. fantastic. But you just you never quite got that ultra realistic arcade stuff at home for the most part. Obviously Daytona, that kind of stuff, but not yeah. the kind of games you grew up playing. That's well, the I, irony I though, Rob. That's the irony of it. The you know the games that we got on the Saturn, Daytona, Sega Rally they looked good and they were fantastic, but they weren't arcade yeah, perfect. Quite, quite but the 2D games we got, 
your X-Men versus Street mm-hmm. Fighter, your Street Fighter get they were. They were almost arcade perfect. You needed your extra RAM, though, didn't you, for those ones? You did need your little RAM cart. But it's such a shame that they abandoned the 2D stuff because the Saturn was great at it. The Saturn was great. Well, you know, we've spoken at length about the Saturn. Sorry, we We won't won't go into that again. I was just going to say one thing. The SNK, when Mm. you played, like, the SNK... Yeah, that, that was so fun, man. I mean, yeah. it was so. Overpriced. I was going to afford one of those, Michael. No, it, I, exactly. I mean, we had <laughs> we, we had one that we could play with. So, um, but yeah, yeah. uh, we would play on that thing constantly because it was it was it was the arcade. Jealous. It was the arcade in your living room, but yeah, at like seventy. Well, I think it was about over a hundred pounds a cartridge or something over oh, here. It was so, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was never going to fly with us. Same, same here. And Adrian, I owned a, a Specky as well. Brilliant, yes. yeah, classic. Not many Americans do, apparently. No, oh, and, no, yeah. no. And you're a big Amiga fan, aren't you, Mike? Which is also yes. a little bit unheard of in the US. Yeah, I, Adrian, I actually, which isn't the Amiga I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I actually sold Amigas. Mm. Oh, you did, didn't you? In your, in yeah, the, in the I would talk. Or, yeah. I would talk people out of not getting Atari STs and nice. making bad life decisions. Yeah. We respect all people, even people that like Atari STs, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think a few of our listeners like an Atari ST. Yeah. So. I know. I think I Andy know. does. And I, yeah. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't pick on them, but I, I, well, I, they're, I they're easy to. They suffered enough. <laughs> I, 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 I felt horrible though when like you'd have a parent making that call, and you're like, no, Amiga, Amiga, trust me, Amiga or a PC. Either way, the kid's going to be ha- okay. The ST, here's the three games we have. <laughs> I know. Ouch. Anyway, um, right. So, Sega's obviously the home consoles had a massive impact on us, but it was about trying to bring that arcade feel to the home. What about the actual arcade feel? What about the actual going to arcades, playing those Sega games? Um, I, I said key for last, um, but Adrian. <laughs> Your favourite Sega arcade games? Go. Oh man. Um, oh, blowing foot in the spot a bit here. I just used to like watching people play like Virtual Fighter and like the, the sort of really big 3D games that you couldn't get at home at the time. I, just, I almost like just watch people play it. I was like, this is crazy. I can't believe it. Um, it was the future. It was the future. <laughs> um, you know, I'm. I'm oh, probably my favourite was oh, arcade wise. I also like the shooting games. I try, can't remember what they are. Like, is is Virtual Cop? Yeah, Virtual. Virtu- and actually, I remember getting it on the PC. I used to play that a lot on the PC. Mm-hmm. They made a copy of it with my mouse. I was like, oh, look, I can shoot people. It wasn't quite the same. But yeah, Virtual Cop was an awesome game. I love that. So yeah, that I did. Love, I did like watching people play the Virtual games. I have to say, just that weird 3D polygon. It was like so. Oh yeah, strange. when you first saw that, yeah, the, the virtual stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rob. Um, I spoke about it when we did the episode Virtual Racing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my yeah, favorite. Yeah. Golden Axe, great as well, obviously. Oh, but yeah, I think Virtual Racing was the one that really blew me away. Nice, nice. Uh, Keith, my favorite Sega arcade machine. Well, these oh, machines, no, no. they're not, not limited to one. This is basically this is oh, like okay. a Sega, favorite. Sega homage favorite. kind of. Just say Power Drift, mate. <laughs> Just say Power Drift, another <laughs> well, one. because it, it Power Drift, but Power Drift and Daytona. Mm. Eight player Daytona. I ah. mean, like that blew my mind. I talk about it blew my mind when I saw that for the first. Oh yeah, yeah. All, all eight machines hooked up. That was just insane. Yeah. And you had the TV screens in between each one, so you could see people's faces with the cameras pointing at them. Um, it was, just, you know, and the noise. It was just incredible. Um, 
and that yeah virtual racing and going way back the first the original outrun cabinet mm. the original hang on cabinet uh manx tt superbike like i could just go on after burner the you know the mm. one that one that's in terminator 2 the one that makes you feel like you want to vom everywhere after you yeah. get off it oh. like, yeah after burner man i mean talk it. about what sega means to me it's all that i mean it's just no one ever came close. No one came close. But yeah, for me, Power Drift and Daytona are the two, two favourites. What was that magic, though? You knew that when you went to an arcade and there was a Sega machine, you knew it'd be good. Like, you just kind of just knew it. And when I remember, okay, it's been a few years I've, I've had the Master System and the Amiga, and just seeing that virtual racing cab and just oh. hit, like, with the massive speakers. Yes. And it was two pound to go, and I was like, I'm going to put my two pounds in here. <laughs> yeah, but you were like in what time. was virtually a full size Formula One car as well. It's just ridiculous. It was just so ridiculous. But Sega was so good at that. And now you can go back and even at the time, like the outruns and your afterburners. And I don't know, M- Michael, what, was there like a formula? Was there like a like a rule book they followed, or was there some kind of you know? Was it just because of the like people like Yu Suzuki or I don't I don't understand how 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 they made so many good ones? Yeah, they just they had massive talent at both the hardware and software levels. I think they kept a consistency so that when they were on a given platform, they just maximized the game on that platform, mm-hmm. and then so you saw okay, we're going to do everything uh, with bitmaps. And we're going to push it till we can. And then all of a sudden, the virtual stuff launches. And there's all these virtual products. Um, and they have a consistency in their look and feel. So, yeah, I don't know if there was a rule book, per se, or just really good. Well, in, the, in some cases, there's rule books. Like, we had a test rule book, or we had um, certain standards, you know. Um, they may have had some of that, but it came down to really good management. I mean, that that division was just ran so tightly. And I'll, I'll say, you, you guys wouldn't have this experience, but since I'm older, I was in the height of the coin-op world. You know, mm. I'm 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 Matthew Broderick in War Games. What a film mm. that is! Yeah, so that, that that's my, that's who I am at that um, age, in a sense. And I have mega arcades, and I'm going and winning um, tokens by beating like games like Bump and Jump and Star Castle. Mm. But like you, you know, Battle Zone was like the biggest 3D thing. It was you know vector mm. graphics. It was a Atari game where you drove a tank around. No, so you wow, have to understand wow. that's my arcade experience. So I am so jealous of you guys because I'm like, <laughs> you, you, know, you got you, you know, Sega shows up and just innovates and just destroys all these old guys that, you know, um, with just a whole different level of play, not only just tech, but it's just how tight the play was mm-hmm. in those days. It was the controls like bump and jump where I'd go get these tokens. They were so sloppy and bad and, you know, and the joystick, like the hardware was so janky and, 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 um, and, and then come Sega and just everything's perfect from, you know, from right down to any joystick or button. I mean, you know, I just think about like Street Fighter machines. I was around when Street Fighter won with those giant ridiculous oh. buttons, <laughs> you know, they, you know, those big Too plunger good. buttons. And but I'm like, there's no way Sega would have ever designed something like that. That was just bad design. Or <laughs> well, the first it's, Street Fighter, number one. Yeah, not not Street Fighter. Yeah, with the no, pad. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. with the giant pad. That one. And you look at that and you go, how did that get out of hardware design? 
Yeah. Like the game was fine. It was just th- who thought of giant smash buns was the idea to, you know, <laughs> for a dexterity based game. And, and, and Sega never made those mistakes. I'm sure there was yeah. a clunker somewhere in there, but I can't remember if there was. They've been consigned to history. Can, anyway. can I ask a really quick question, Michael? Because I know we, we spoke a lot on Eternal Champions, so you don't have to go too much detail. But do you think you would, you would have loved it for that to be an arcade game? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I wish we would have had this sort of reciprocal experience. You know, I, I wish I could have been, a, you know, my only contribution to the virtual fighter was me hijacking the virtual fighter 32 X team, mm-hmm. um, much to their dismay, mm-hmm. um, which was again, what happened when they put a younger kind of underdeveloped team, they were able to take feedback and listen to me and, I, I got to improve, in some opinion, people like that product um, mm. and some of the improvements that were made in there. Mm. So I wish I could have participated in giving my fighting game experience to them. Mm. I think it would have helped Virtua. Uh, I think they could have done better in the story development of it. I would have loved to have been part of that. And vice versa, I would have loved to have handed them my characters and trusted them in their ability to execute it. Could you mm. imagine? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, would have yeah. would have been one of the biggest honors, but that that flow just never happened. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I thought for a while maybe they would take a bite at Echo because Echo did better in Sega of Japan, and mm-hmm. and even then they didn't, and that that was uh, I'm sure a heartbreaker for Ed because I think mm-hmm. that would have made a great arcade experience had you know mm. they developed. Yeah. I hope yeah. we can get him on the podcast one day. I'd love to talk to Ed. I can't pronounce his surname. I just can't an, an, pronounce um, He used to never do interviews. He does them now. Um, oh, does he? Because I remember, because yeah. he, he followed us on Twitter years ago. And then, obviously, I followed him back. I was like, oh, well, good, Ed. And then um, I was like, oh, come on the podcast. Yeah. He just, just silenced. Well, I, I messaged him for about yeah. two years ago, and he was like, oh, maybe, maybe not. He's a bit unsure. But Let's get him on. Let's yeah, yeah I, I, I'm more than happy to. Uh, Ed and I are, um, we, we competed against each other. You know, he, he, Alpha to what he jokingly called Amoeba when it got smaller. Um, he, and, and, and Omega. So at times we, you know, kind of would bump heads. Um, it was, it was hard for us because, you know, we were running two very different visions of how our groups ran. And then like he had to trust me that I wasn't fooling around with test or operation mm-hmm. stuff. He famously went to an operation meeting and like fell asleep and Tom Kalinsky was there also asleep at the boredom of the operation. <laughs> and it was the last time he ever came to a meeting and he's like, you deal with this. I trust you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but we're, we have continued to stay in touch and, and I consider him a friend. So I, I can vouch for you guys and talk give him to him. Nudge. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Michael. I'll give him <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, no, obviously, Arke is very important as well. The journey now to where Sega is. Obviously, they still publish things. Um, they're still strong in arcades. You know, this is still a big thing for them. They 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 say they've got a big announcement, and then it turns out it's something called what was it called? Something gaming. Oh yeah, the, those connected little... arcade thing. Yeah, the um, yeah, what was it called? Uh... And the mini game gears. That the was mini the... game gears thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone was like, "Oh, say you're gonna get two. back into the console." It was game. So Dreamcast two, uh, Dreamcast oh, two, right? Yeah. I, I, I know. I was looking at that and seeing those people say that, and I'm like, 
You are so wrong. Because <laughs> so, in, in, today, in today, the hype, Michael, was ridiculous. Yeah. Like you had all these people like clambering over themselves, going, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And today, say something yeah. convincing, and then they didn't. So, yeah, even was... even Apple can't. It, Apple used to be able to be keep their secrets, and even they can't keep their secrets in today's world because yeah. stuff has to be manufactured in these yeah. facilities in China, and someone's going to just take one off the line at some point and it's going to get out there. So there'd be no way they could make a console. Um, you know, uh, the only reason why it was, yeah, the only reason why those game gears didn't get leaked is everybody's like, Oh, well, okay. (laughs) Good picture. They're just minuscule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't even get your fingers on them to actually even play it properly. Yeah, I mean, I just ornamental. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't speak badly of any Sega thing, but I'm saying, (laughs) I, I, I don't think from a, um, we're going to trade this info to a a gaming site. The gaming site wouldn't even been excited about getting that info if they Uh had to pay for it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I I I knew that big disappointment was coming, but I wasn't going to get out there because I don't want anything get you know appearing like I have some sour grapes against the company. <laughs> I, I I I bleed blue to this day. So there we go. Um, the, the question was, I think we'll, we'll I'll, I'll come to you, Michael, in a bit. I just want to ask the boy something. So basically, the question is, do you? think or do you you know would you have liked sega to still be making consoles to this day 2020 uh what's up with adrian well obviously uh, wii u was a huge failure for nintendo and the switch was their last chance apparently that's roll of the dice roll of the dice they said this doesn't work that we're not going to make consoles ever again the switch has been a huge success and obviously, I think we can pretty, pretty much say there'll be another console sound alive in Nintendo. Probably the same for Sega. Dreamcast, which I respect a lot, was, was not successful compared to the PlayStation. I don't, personally, I would love it if Sega dust themselves down for a few years, looked at the competition, and tried something a little bit different. You know, go down the innovation route a little bit more. I mean, Nintendo do not have the most powerful consoles, but they try things different to stand out from the crowd. I wish Sega would. I think it's probably too late now. I, I hope I hope I'm wrong, but maybe just look at what's going on. And Xbox and PS, PlayStation, whatever it is, whatever number you want to put onto it, or X, they're quite similar in how they do things, or like powerful beasts. So if I was Sega, I'd think yeah, well, PCs look. at the end of the day. I mean, if you look at like yeah, Xboxes yeah. and Playstations now, this generation just... is just a super duper PC. That's yeah, what so- it is. Oh, it's, an affordable, it. it's an affordable gaming PC in a mm. box. I, uh, yeah. I still, yeah, there's a gap in the market for something different, be it mm. all arcades, be it accessories you can add on. I don't know really. Well, I'm not an expert, but I, I, I feel I just wish Sega was still around. I really do. And I, I, I just think the Dreamcast deserved more. I mm. can understand why it didn't really catch on. It, it, arguably more powerful than the PlayStation 2, wasn't it, in, in many ways. I, I just wish Sega did not give up so easily. I just wish they had one more chance, personally, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. What would that be? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I think if we look at Sega today, they aren't. They literally aren't the same company no, we're talking okay. about 25 years ago. I think they merged with a pachinko maker called Sammy. They so make like, mainly Sega pachinko Sammy. machines. Yeah, I think that's their thing. Yep. Now. That's what they get all their money from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so I don't even know if they would have the means to really do another system. I don't know. I would have said. No, just let it lie. But I think listening to Adrian talking about that a minute ago made me think, yeah, actually, if maybe if there was a kind of new system that was doing 
It was just kind of like pick up and play games, and you could really connect quite easily to other people to play with them. There was like very direct kind of games where you don't spend half an hour looking for something. Yeah. It's not like say an hour, like twenty hour, twenty thirty. I don't even know how long games are these days. I'll hold oh, on. like long, hundreds of hours very long. Now. Yeah, like <laughs> something that doesn't take hundreds of hours to get through. Mm. I'd be interested in that. In that, yeah. like it just. That's what I want, that kind of immediate arcade type feel. And yeah. I don't, it's a big reason why I'm just not into gaming right now. It's just it takes too long, and I do not have that level of spare time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Keith, do you reckon, do, 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 would you have loved to have seen a Dreamcast 2, Dreamcast 3? I would have. I don't think it was ever realistic for anyone to expect them to suddenly rock up in 2020. Yeah. And say, here's our competitor. Well, they could. Um, to be fair, they could have just built a PC and just put a Dreamcast shell around it. True. And, you know, true. They could have just done that, couldn't they? So. I, did, I mean, I did wonder back in the early 2000s if they were going to fully jump into bed with Microsoft. Mm. And yeah, and rather absolutely. than have you know the, with the Dreamcast and with yeah. the Windows built in it, and obviously mm. the online capabilities, and it it innovate. They innovated before the technology was there really like before yeah. proper broadband speeds were there and i've often yeah. wondered if that could have been the way to go and then instead of xbox but then instead of xbox and playstation maybe we'd just have sega nintendo and playstation i don't know and and the, the thing uh, the other thing i think well maybe if they couldn't get back into the home console market maybe they could but they, they could you know put all their efforts into arcades but there's no money to be made yeah. and they're except in these pachinko, pachinko machines, machines. Yeah. and it, when if, well, like, you guys remember they just uh, sold their their um their most identifiable largest arcade um they did yeah, yeah. The one in, yeah so yeah. I, I think that's i think that's yeah. pretty telling yeah. about what they're thinking arcade wise well, and, and a couple of years yeah, ago, really. I got really excited um, about the Daytona 2. No, it wasn't Daytona 2, sorry. Um, but it was the new Daytona game, the yeah. new, ar- new arcade game. And it was so exciting. But it wasn't really, it wasn't really Sega. I can't remember who yeah. it was developed by. I think, it was, I think it was a British company um, that had quite a lot of involvement in it. And it just it wasn't, wasn't the same. It just yeah. wasn't the same. It just didn't have that magic. Um, I mean, uh, the funny thing is, it's, looking back, it's... It, it's kind of weird that the Xbox did take off because mm-hmm. if you look at the other kind of attempts Microsoft already made with hardware, like the Zune or like kind of taking over Nokia and running them into mm-hmm. the ground. Yep. They do not have a good track record with hardware at all. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is is the, the team that they got mm-hmm. was an exceptionally good team. Um, and that's always important when you build a console. You need yeah. both the hardware and software guys to be in sync. And they had great leadership on both sides of the, that group. And um, that's how they were able to make it happen, is that they literally created the group from the ground up instead mm-hmm. of acquiring them and trying to Microsoft them. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also, they stayed hands-off relatively of the Xbox group. Yeah. Um, that was also very important, where they got their hands into Nokia directly and other things, and that's mm-hmm. where they were making their mistakes they almost bought yahoo so you know um at one point and they dodged a bullet there um well, but i think yahoo like the kind of thing you're describing is basically what yahoo would do every time they took over a company <laughs> oh yeah oh oh <laughs> Bob, let me tell you it is heartbreaking to see i i, I was there earlier 
Um, I was there for three years and, and ran their entertainment group and their um, media group. So that was like mu music, movies, TV, chat events, games, and then travel news, weather, sports, and local verticals. And, mm. you know, I came from gaming and I was running all that. Um, but I was doing that from a view of interactivity and trying to bring the company towards that. Um, and, you know, you look at fantasy sports um, or, you know, any sort of more interactive thing that Yahoo had developed in those days. And mm. then they just sort of gave up. And it started with the broadcast.com, you know, mm. debacle. Um, and then they just started... Um, acquiring thinking they could acquire their way out uh mm. instead of you know um retrusting in the team they built let them get through the hard times and and come back from it um and yeah it was heartbreaking to see them buy tumblr destroy it flicker mm. nearly nearly uh, destroyed. Yeah. you know flicker flicker luckily found a buyer that makes sense for them yeah. Um, so they, they, they sort of still exist. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, and, and then, you know, some really bad leadership at the end that, you know, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a heartbreaker and, uh, yeah. So, you know, there's always a sign when, like I said, it worries me that I see Sega selling off a lot of significant yeah. assets in yeah. arcade. Um, to what, what they're thinking arcade wise, what does that mean for their future? Um, you know, I, I, I was at Sega software. We wanted the opportunity to put games on all these uh, other systems and could have done it way earlier and been way better at mm. it for the company and built the talent rather than them having to acquire a bunch of outside talent that does, builds games that are good and sometimes great, but don't really jive with any cohesive nature. Mm. Yeah, therefore, I really hope they just don't sell out and just do pachinko parlors. It's just, uh, it's, I, it's really because because when when I went to um, Tokyo, but oh god, six years ago, I visited a lot of those Sega arcades and yeah. played those games, and they were something. I mean, you know, there was a lot of rhythm games. There's some like crazy like arcade RPG stuff, and it was it was still an experience. It was still very Sega, still very in your face. And yeah, if they'd been that off, I just I don't know. That would yeah. be that would be the last I think of what. Yeah, I I, what I really. Yeah, I mean, obviously they they had a, a change in leadership uh, at uh, Sega over here, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know what that means. I you know uh, I'm guessing between that and the arcade stuff, something's up. Um, yeah. You know, I think they're going to focus on Sonic, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and everything else is, uh, you know, I don't think I, I, I don't think you're ever going to see some hardware surprise other than some cool retro thing. And I think mm -hmm. they're going to leave it for someone else to build. Um, they may participate in the design of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they got the little Sega minis that play the games correct more than anybody else. In yeah. Their knockoff versions. Um, yes. That's, that, that's versions. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. as much as I think you're going to see them. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think we're all just kind of waiting for a mini Saturn and a mini Dreamcast, and I, I think that'd I, be I about sure, it. I sure hope they're thinking about it, but I really, like I said, um, there's a lot of stuff going on there that um, mm, you yeah. can't can't read into it because I've looked at what the gaming press is saying about it, and they're just they kind of just give a collective shrug because they're mm. not. I don't think they're interested in the story. 
Mm-hmm. That bugs me, you know. Yeah, yeah why aren't they? You know, used to, why is... used, to, used to be a brand that people were interested yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's really like it's yeah. Still respected. Yeah. Still, Sonic is is important. Uh, the arcade is still important, but where that future lies, I don't know. Mm. It's, it's just a shame. It's just a shame where it's gone, really. Uh, because when when we look back now, because we're we're sort of um, we're like we're like pseudo historians, really. Arcade yeah. and and a lot of the things that we dig up and. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really like bring bring this up in a minute. Funny, funny peripherals, funny peripherals, funny yeah. Sega peripherals, <laughs> and also the innovation, the kind of the the you know the, the ethos they had in trying to innovate and trying to do different things. So the, these are a couple of things that, that that make Sega special for me. The Mega CD, right? Sega CD. I've loved owning one. I've loved owning one. I love going through the back catalogue. It's just, you know, it's something else. Finding out about these weird peripherals. Th- thanks, Adrian. Um, like the activator. <laughs> Another thing. Oh, the Octopad. The Octopad. <laughs> the Octopad. Oh, was that was, I, 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 I laughed so hard. Yeah. Um, but the Sega Channel. So, right, the things like the Sega Channel and oh, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. the internet connectivity for the Dreamcast. So, this stuff was way ahead of where yeah. we were in, you know, our our homes and what we had access to. And you know what, you know that 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 kind of stuff is really interesting for me to from for me to for me to research so adrian i know you've researched a lot of sega stuff what have been the most interesting things that you've learned about sega like the last couple of years we've been doing this because that 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 for me in a nutshell has just been just just i'd love to talk more about the sega channel in the future actually but Yeah, yeah yeah well obviously talking to al nilson a few years ago uh he he speaks he spoke about sonic the hedgehog and how he really was a big influence on that was quite incredible um just also, Michael, just learn about the activator. <laughs> this is hilarious. Actually, I yeah. wanted to ask you because I know you, you told me kind of um, in, in FB Messenger about your work on Sega VR, which never happened, or the, yeah. the a VR machine for the Mega Drive, which which probably deserves a bigger chat. But we could always yeah. do that in the future. We'd have but... to we'd have to get some of the people for you um, because I came in relatively later into the process. Um, you know, I, Joe. You know, knowing. I had that firefighter mode side of me when they're really kind of, it started to go off the rails. He brought me in. And also the fact that I was not colorblind, a lot of males are, um, and I can't get motion sick. Um, I could uh, actually spend time in the rig. So Uh. we, we were finding people who could tolerate it because the lag was, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about VR sickness now. Oh, I still get it now on like PSVR. I'm like, yeah, oh God. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. So this was just not ready for prime time. Wow. I think, I think Mac kind of alluded to that. I mean, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. they just recently found a game that, you know, um, I, I really have no recollection of. But when you do do the Sega um, VR, I'll tell you about um, my experience with a certain um, technology guy who was Mr. VR back in the day. I'm not uh, going to say his name. I'm going to hold nice. out. On but it, it, you probably know he's a famous dreadlocked uh, guy who was all about VR. And then now he spends his life being an anti-technologist. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, that was one of the weirdest experiences I have ever had. And I can tell you about it because it was all... He was consulting on Sega VR, and I got to go to his penthouse office um, and have a very surreal talk with this guy. And then seeing him, 
years later talk about the evils of technology was unbelievable. So he, wow. he's quite quite the interesting character. So I'll be I'll be happy to fill you in on that side of the story, yes. and also some of the you know like the challenges. Like I said, the color blindness, the mm-hmm. time in the rig, the the ability to withstand the motion sickness. Um, that sort of stuff. That'd be, yeah, because I want to do a I want to do a podcast on like '90s VR. Look at the Jaguar VR, the Sega VR. Maybe look at yeah. The it, it kills me that Joe Miller's not here. That was his baby. Uh, I mean, yeah, he he crazy. literally was the producer of that project. So we're going to have to fill around the edges with some of the marketing people and yeah. some people like that that showed it off when we did show it off at an, uh, E3. Um, I don't know if Sarah will want to talk about it, but I'll I'll do my best to talk to her and i think dante also was there and nice. they're, ma- they're married um and i i'm i still have contact with both of them Definitely. i'll see if they can at least tell you about what people thought and said about it appreciate cool. it michael yeah gentlemen yeah um thank you michael um rob what have been the most sort of interesting things you've learned about sega while doing arcade attack um i don't know that's a good question i think just maybe I guess getting into the background of I wasn't aware of any of the executives beforehand or really how anything worked and I think mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting to hear about. Like um I don't know, something else I've we've you know, we've talked about this so often, I've gotta ask. Uh like Michael, can you conf- did Michael Jackson do ah. the music for Sonic Three? Okay. How involved this is, was he? This is- so no, Rob just comes out with it. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is the I was most, too scared to ask. <laughs> this is the most asked question. So there was a time I would have said no, um, based on what I knew. But since now, there is, in, there is just absolute proof that he did. So the answer is yes. Wow. But if you asked me years ago, this was such a well-kept secret. And it was a very hard secret to keep, I can promise you. A so only a, a, a very tiny amount of people must have known this. Mm. And um, it never showed up as far as I knew, where we got a build with the music in it. Um, So I think what happened was they were stripping the builds of the music and just putting in old tracks. And they wanted to keep it absolute secret. And they just, you know, even though I trust the test guys wouldn't have leaked that info, but I think they we would have picked up on, after I've heard proof of a couple of the tracks, you kind of go, oh yeah, this has to be. So the answer is yes. Cheers. Wow. And, and, and Al, Al Nielsen's got to know about that. And <laughs> the fact, we won't and ask the fact, Al again. I think, did we well, ask him last time? We did ask him. He gave you a very short answer, Michael. It, no, basically. Well, he just says, I can't talk about that. I kind of that. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and I, I don't know. But since it's out there now, I don't know if Al can talk about it. He may never be able to talk about it because Al had a very close, unique relationship with Michael directly. So I, my guess is there's something involved in that direct relationship. Right. Um, and maybe it's just personal and it, we're, he'll leave it at that. I have some things like that, you know, that are stories that are, God, I would love to tell. Uh, but they're just personal stories that, you know, I just respect and, and hold back to, you know, my interactions. Like I have a huge story that is kills me every time that I can't tell. Oh, <laughs> that's all right. That's we'll turn right. the record off, Mike. We can chat. Yeah, we'll tell no, us no, off. I, 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 I can't, but he, he told me a couple things about alternatives to how movies could have ended. 
Oh wow! Oh, there we go. There we go. But but they're they're locked in my head. So yeah. we'll uh, we'll secretly film you. I mean, f- I mean, not, not film. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I don't even. I don't even. Uh, yeah, I don't tell anybody. I just keep them there. Nice. No, I'm sure they respect you for that as well. Um, Keith, what yes. have been the most interesting things you've learned about Sega since finally doing having it confirmed that Michael Jackson did do the music? Oh, what? When was that? Yeah, that, that, was, yeah, that voice is canon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm only confirming what other people have confirmed. I know. I, know. I want to be clear. On that. <laughs> um, no, for, I mean, obviously, things like things like this, being able to speak to people like Michael, um, learning so much from Agent's interviews, the one with Al Nielsen was really revealed, revealing, um, and just learning a lot more about these bits of plastic that we just used to play games on when we were kids. You know, just learning so much more about the development and what went into it, and you know, learning about people like Yu Suzuki and and just how these things came to be uh, for me that's been the most interesting part and also you know discovering games that i'd never played before that i missed out on the first time you know? can i just say something about al um my i think my favorite part of the blake harris book because i only appear twice in there once i'm in there for blast processing um and then i appear when al is leaving the company mm. and uh it, it al and i from the beginning because we were two big giant guys you know like Mm. physical stature wise and also personality wise and so we would bump heads a lot because al would be you know in these time to time operation meetings Mm. or uh, i'd be pulled into other meetings or mark you know marketing meetings that i got to go to because my Mm. being an executive producer so a lot of times al and i would kind of go toe to toe and disagree and whatever but my favorite part is and, and and i love that al told the story is i came over to say goodbye to him and teared up over it because mm. it, to, to have sega without al there just felt it was like the beginning yeah. of the end i just yeah. felt like okay this is the beginning of the unravel you know because yeah. He's going to go, and then we're going to start losing the other big ones. And when that happens, it, you know, we're the whole thing's going to start to unwind. And so, yeah, it was hard because he's a big character, and he absolutely, um, I will defend uh, all the value that he. Mm. Some people in their interviews may not have their view in history correct. They, they, they may have misinterpretation to their importance on a given project. Al, 100% always has tell, told the truth about everything that he brought. And mm. I think he deserves real credit for that because yeah. he could bend the truth far further than anybody and make himself an even bigger character because he deserves that. Absolutely. Thank no, you. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you all. Um, obviously, being here to chat things sega for our almost 200th episode um that's really all i wanted to ask everyone i know adrian did you have a few more things that you wanted to to bring to the table before we sort of end the chat maybe one last question then i just think talking about the demise of sega a little bit it's a bit of a sad ending but you you mentioned earlier michael about japan and usa sega not getting along do you think you said they were working well with the sonic game for example if they were on the right frame you know, 99% of the time they're really working cohesively, much better than they used to. Do you think right now Sega would be the market leader? I or think, that- I don't know if they'd be the market leader, but they'd be in the top three. Um, mm. 
I, I don't know if they'd even be doing hardware. I just think they would be as important as um, Nintendo is in game making. Yeah. I think mm. it would have. I, I think it would have interestingly altered all our futures. That's for mm. sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of us would have been there. You know, I I could have been there for all I know for twenty years, and I would have had a very different life. Mm. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's yeah. It would have fundamentally changed and improved and made sure that company had um, endured um, mm. in a, in a much stronger way. But I don't know how you could have fixed it it wasn't a choice on either yeah. side it was a structural design issue in how mm-hmm. how they laid out management um the communication abilities at the time remember you know we didn't have video we couldn't see yeah. each other mm-hmm. we had to get on planes and it was costly and and you know and you know shinobu and joe they had to stay at like 10 o'clock 11 o'clock at night to talk to them yeah. on the phone yeah and they're just a voice on a phone if you're lucky, you were on a speaker box. A lot of times you weren't, so they're passing a phone around. Yeah. I mean, this fundamentally does not allow you to, you know, I'll agree with one thing that Max said, which is, is you, you know, it was important to develop relationships with mm. each other. And yeah. that's really hard to do at, at a, a broad level. And had mm-hmm. we been able to do that, um, it would have, you know, because we did that with SOE. We just mm-hmm. had a fundamentally better relationship with SOE and it showed, mm-hmm. you know. We got along, yeah. respected each other. Yeah, I loved I loved going over there because I felt like I was at home. Yeah, you know, I, I just was in a different office with yeah. people with a slightly different accent, and you know, and they <laughs> considered they considered me one of their own anyway because we had you know I liked football and all the things. Yeah, in the UK. So, yeah, yeah, it's been a great chat. Really enjoyed it, Michael. Oh, uh, thank you. This has been just so fun. Like I said, I feel like I'm back in the clubhouse and, mm-hmm. you know, Eric Wahlberg's here and Bill Person and all the old guys are around and Quakes coming down the hallway, you know, um, and yep. Spider and all these guys, you know, all their nicknames. Um, the, this, is, this is back to what we love to do. Just theorize about where the company's going, mm-hmm. what other companies were going. So thank you. It's been a great honor. No, no. Thank you for joining us, Michael. We'll let the boys have a little bit of a a final say about Sega before we before we wrap this up. So, so Rob, final thoughts on Sega? Anything that you wanted to obviously mention before that that you couldn't, or anything you want to say about the company? Uh not that much. I think we've pretty much gone over everything from like uh, my point of view. Just I guess you know it was huge. I guess for probably about two or three years of my life and. Still got those really vivid memories. I think to me, for a large extent, when I think about the point in my life where I was most into gaming, Sega was right at the center of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keith? Well, you guys know how much I love Sega. Again, <laughs> I just, the, 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 those memories, it's, when we're talking about the, the, the sad end for arcades and Sega recently shutting down their main arcades and things like that, um, I'm sitting here thinking, well, we'll always have our memories. <laughs> Um, but, but they're so important to me, you know, they're so important to me. Um, and, you know, Sonic and playing those games for the first time. Um, so, all right, yeah, I do happen to still be playing games now. But even if I'm not playing games in 10, 15, 20 years time, I'll always look back on that period. And that, that one company and that one blue logo is the thing that I'll most associate with it. 
Mm. Um, and I think that's that's fantastic. And before he does go, I'd just like to thank Michael for joining us. Oh. Um, well, no, and also, you know, for listening as well. Regularly. <laughs> listening to um, our ramblings. And yeah. also for a- any part that he played in those memories that I and we share from... Mm-hmm from the 90s as well oh, thank you thank you keith and like i said i'm i'm up for any time i'm you know i, I i'm more than happy to talk about non-sega stuff when you want to <laughs> let someone back into the clubhouse um you know i have opinions obviously about lots of things from you know uh the modern gaming systems to pc gaming i know you guys played around with would you ever discuss that sort of platform yeah the activision yeah. stuff and i'd be so down to talk about like you know i, I was at the beginning of the pc gaming stuff so mm. i'd love to talk to you about like my point of view of watching that arc yeah. um yeah so I think that'd be interesting yeah. I, yeah. thank you keith because yeah i it, it, as much as you know the sega memories mean a lot to you obviously it's a fundamental part of my life you know yeah. are you surprised have... actually michael i think but last question for you actually what um are, are you surprised that, that sega still has an impact on people today like the old 90s sega uh, still has this kind of impact on people a little like when uh, because of the reemergence of retro when i see uh, uh, like a younger kid on DeviantArt will post a, a picture of an eternal champion that they drew. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, you, you know, you could be my grandson almost, um, yeah. you know, it, it, in a weird way uh, that it still has impact. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Or that the original Activision stuff days mm. that people still remember that stuff or, you know, even the British telecom days that, you know, mm. British Telecom had a gaming company, and that they were <laughs> incredibly relevant at one point, and, mm-hmm. and did stuff like Starglider and, and Carrier Command, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, I'm amazed when people remember those. Like I, I, I said, Weird Dreams, and Adrian's like, Oh yeah, totally. I, you <laughs> know, uh, and Weird I'm like, room, yeah. You, yeah. I love that be, game. You yeah. got to be kidding me that you guys would know Weird Dreams. I mean, yeah, only because yeah. of Adrian. But yeah, well, it's one of my, <laughs> it's, it's an iconic for me game for me. I just remember so many good memories. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, no, it's, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that Sega, the brand is important. What surprises me is that people care about stuff that I created or my team created, uh, or just people like Ed Annunziata created, you know, that, that echo is still relevant and cared about and other things that he has done. And, um, and, and all over. Michael, there's a pub we went to. Do you remember there's a pub? I can't remember where it is, but they show the Echo. There's a sign outside. It's in Wall- Wallingford, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And if, oh, it's the Dolphin, they stole they actually... the Echo sign. We, we should tell Ed. Oh, it's, the, you... it's the cover art from the game. Yeah, you, you, yeah you've got to see if you can use Street View or something to get a snap of that thing. Cause it's amazing. He would, he, he, yeah, yeah. He owns the IP, so he'll be paying ooh, him a visit. Ooh, <laughs> let's get him in trouble. We're, we're, we're barred from that pub now, by the way. You know <laughs> Do you know what I find the most bizarre thing about this whole kind of conversation almost? We're talking about the decline of Sega. And yet, if you go back to, say, the late 80s, Sega were huge and Activision, Activision were tiny. Now, Activision are huge and yeah, Sega are just, part yeah, of the yeah, time. Yeah, you, there could be a future. It's just a matter of, uh, of a leadership team mm-hmm. and, uh, and the dev team working hand-in-hand um, across now worldwide. 
if they mm -hmm. made that happen, you're right. They could come back because I remember, you know, packing my box of stuff and being escorted out of Activision uh, when they moved to L.A. And it was this tiny little team down there. And now they're one of the two biggest, you know, the biggest ah, player on the yeah. planet. Yeah. And you know, if you would have bet on that, I can tell you, we wouldn't have bet on it. Uh, there you go. I mean, we, 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 knew, we knew the dev team was going to do good, but we didn't know they were going to grow into, you know, that Bobby. We thought Bobby because he had, you know, he, he, he was a, it was a corporate takeover. And mm -hmm. so they were flipping companies. So I thought he was just going to flip it and like 100 people would own it and just kind of, you know, what happens to a lot of brands that get drained and they go away. Brilliant. I mean, that's it. I mean, you know, Sega could rise from the ashes, Absolutely. can they? Can they? Yeah. I, but, I think um, that I think that blue logo and Sonic is is going to be the ultimate. You can other. hear images. You know, like they said, there's this meme <laughs> going around. Yeah. And you can actually you can't you can't usually hear pictures, but when you see that Sega logo, yeah, you totally can, can't you? Yeah, yeah. You the day we know it's over is when that no longer excites anyone. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll all be. <laughs> yeah, well, you're keep, you're keeping the flame alive. You know that's 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 why I'm always glad to help you guys out and give any time I can because no, I, been, no, I, I great having you know, yeah. this flame is for everybody at Sega, not not <laughs> not just me being part of it. I I care about all the people that you know gave their a lot of lot of time and a yeah. lot a lot of work. Yeah. No, thanks, gentlemen. No, thank you, Michael, for joining us from. My from pleasure. way beyond yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh listeners you know i really hope you've enjoyed that uh let us know what you think tweet us message us um here's to many more sega chats uh and yep for me and the boys uh we'll say good night thanks for listening to today's podcast we really hope you enjoyed it if you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else you can tweet us at arcade attack uk at keith barlow 82 and at arcade underscore adriano we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcadeattackuk. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, Take care and we'll speak to you soon.